Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. So, it's a little late in the season for two-a-days, but we're doing it anyway. I'm toughing it out, shot full of cold medicine, feeling better, fighting it off. We're going to be joined at some point by Steve and Shane. At least I've been led to believe that as well. So we'll have some... Well, I mean, Jim, you have still the vestiges of a Southern accent, actually. I, I Certain words, particularly. And, of course, I have... I, don't know, I guess I don't have a Southern accent in the normal sense of it, but there's certain when words where I can hear it in myself as well. You have to pick up certain things. It depends on what your, what your Southern accent is. Cause you have a Panhandle accent where you kind of right. talk fast and you kind of be willing to dinner. And then you have a, a, a Savannah accent which, you know, is kind of a little, little more draw to it. Uh, you know, right. Little, little, little and soft. the... Right, and the classic, the classic Virginia Southern accent is from sort of the central to southern central part of the state. I'm actually from the coastal areas where it's a little less pronounced, but I can hear it in myself a certain word. Um, particularly when I say certain, like the, the town where I grew, where I grew up, I, when I, it, and it actually grates on me when I hear people say it on, like, national televised people, Norfolk State, no one in Norfolk says Norfolk. You can only spot the outlanders by the way they pronounce the name Pretty of the much. city. Um, it's pronounced Norfolk, just like Louisville, right? There's certain things that are like a dog whistle or, or civilist or whatever. There's Steve Morton. That said Norfolk City at the time. Yeah. Norfolk. Um, yeah. But, I mean, what, what killed me is the ones with the really heavy pronunciation of it. Norfolk. Like oh, kill, killing me. But uh, Steve, are you happy yeah. with today's buffet? Uh, yeah, you know I was actually on a plane most of the day up until about two thirty today. So we were coming back. Uh, wow, I mean uh, we've got Kevin Hogan over here actually looking like a good quarterback, and Kessler <laughs> looking like Stanford's best player, and. We saw Juju Smith being covered by Blake Martinez, which ended oh, about oh. as well as you would have expected. Ooh, yeah, that's not how you draw up the matchups, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, that ended up in one of USC's touchdowns. Uh, Jacob Coger got benched. Uh, not a shot. <laughs> uh, to start the day, and uh, uh, Penn State decided that their best way to win was not to ever throw the football again. <laughs> and, and they might 21. be right. I was just saying, they might be right. They might be right. Uh, they're basically you know, giving Lynch and Barkley the ball, and if they have to throw it, they're thinking about it, and then they're going to give Lynch and Barkley the ball. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know, as, uh, uh, as, as, as Daryl yeah. K. Royal himself said many times, you throw <laughs> the ball, three things can happen, and two of them are bad. So... There's nothing wrong. If you can run the football, I mean, every coach 
wants to, even though, <laughs> with the exception maybe of Mike Leach, but even the Art Briles of the world would like to run the football. I mean, <laughs> if you get most football coaches, sit them down, you know, say, hey, independent of everything else, if you had your druthers, you could do anything you wanted, would you rather beat a team running the ball 40, 50 times or throwing the ball 40, 50 times, just about every football coach and head, head, head ball coach in America is going to say, I want to run the ball. There's a handful, a tiny handful that really get off on throwing the football. Yeah. Tiny Very tiny. But, I mean, you okay. know, if you, if you just line up and run the ball, especially, you know, after what you've seen with Hack the first, you know, couple of weeks, I mean, so, and, so, uh, you know, James Franklin, I think, decided he'd like, he'd like to be employed and, Maybe uh, maybe Hackenberg isn't the most important thing to him anymore. Uh, which I mean, you know, at the college level, I mean that you know you, you you know we think of the college as developmental for the pro games, but these college coaches, you know, they're they're not making four and five million dollars a year uh, up to Nick Saban money for developing NFL football players. Well, that's not that's uh, not actually their job. No, that's not actually <laughs> Urban Meyer sort of. Explained that to people, you know, when he was asked about, you know, well, you know, what do you do with Tim Tebow? It's like trying to win national championships, kids. It's kind of what they pay me to do here. If he becomes an NFL quarterback, that's awesome, but that's not really my job description. And, you know, if that's, it only becomes in my job description, it doesn't affect my recruiting. It doesn't affect my recruiting, <laughs> my ability to get good players. You know, at the end of the day, they. They need to like I I don't if I never develop an NFL football player I won't get fired for that. If I never win, I'll get fired for the same reason every other coach ever got fired. I ain't right. winning that. Yeah, there's only two reasons coaches get fired: um, not winning and getting caught. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if so, you win enough, if you, you can win. even get caught once or twice. <laughs> exactly. I guess, depending on just how caught you are, I guess you're right. If you win enough, you can sometimes escape even getting caught. But those are the only two reasons coaches get fired. Those two things, you know. So as you pointed out, the second one, the second one is somewhat dependent upon the first. If you're winning enough, sometimes getting caught might not be enough. But if you get caught enough times or caught badly enough, even if you're a winner, you know there's guys who've been shown the door, but. It helps. Winning always helps. There's never a time when winning doesn't help secure your position as a coach. I'll put it that way. I mean, up until the time he was fired, Galen Hall was the most successful coach in the history of Florida. <laughs> yep. yep. Right. So, People forget he was a really, really successful, very good coach. So. Okay, so. Bateman, here, here, here is Bateman with one of the worst rows you'll ever see in your life. And she's going to get bailed out by, some, by, by a flag. <laughs> you know, which sometimes happens. So, yeah, uh, that's the one thing I hate about college football. We get too many of these bail out of really awful throw flags. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's do the, I guess the term is whip around. Uh, SMU is is giving TCU a run. You know, it's not like they've, they haven't rolled over and uh, decided to just lay there and play dead. They've been giving them a pretty good run. That's that's a game that's fairly tight. 
Um, obviously, you know, USC-Stanford is, is a tight game, which is not to be unexpected, especially with some sort of shaky play at certain positions. Um, obviously, Ole Miss-Alabama is, you know, a featured tilt that I think a lot of people are paying attention to. Missouri-Connecticut is a game that's not exactly beauteous to watch, but a fair number of pro prospects on the docket. Texas A&M, you know, handling its business. So it's not going to blow out, but it's 17 points, so that's, you know, considerable. And I almost exactly nailed the um, Tulsa-Oklahoma score, so I feel pretty good about that. That game is almost literally the score I thought it would be. Uh, at 5238. Um, and Baker Mayfield continues to mount his Iceman run. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm only half kidding. I mean, if he keeps this stuff and, up. And Phil Donovan's love for him. Well, I mean, he is fun to watch. That's the one thing that we have to agree. I think you. No matter what you think of him as a prospect, that he's stop, please. He's just fun to watch. I'm not it, saying he's an NFL prospect. That's fun to not watch. What I'm he wasn't fun to watch for three quarters against Tennessee, my friend. He was not fun to watch. <laughs> but he knew it would be. But no, no, his he, that's his showmanship. He knew it would be more fun to watch if he let the game get really no, interesting. No, first. no, 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 that's not how this works. That's pretty fun to watch from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And as much as he can have his heroics to that, he's not even Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel could actually complete a short pass consistently. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing, there's nothing consistent in anything that Baker Mayfield does, except consistently fun. Um, I mean, one thing I will say, watching watching this Ole Miss game, these Ole Miss defensive backs, when they tackle, when they go to tackle you, you're tackled. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they don't know what year this is. Apparently, they don't care. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, they're they're tackling guys. They're catching the ball one yard short for for fourth down. They're driving. Tony Connor just decked Derrick Henry in the backfield. Well, Tony Connor is about as big as Derrick Henry, so that makes sense. <laughs> oh, right, right. Well, like I said, we've all known that kryptonite for for Henry is if you can get penetration, if you can make him chop a seat and have to change direction sharply, you get his shoulders turned parallel to the sideline, he's not going anywhere. He's not going to beat you to the – well, if you're a, a good SEC defense, he's not going to beat you to the edge. That's not his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's not allowed fast. to do that. Very and, he's not a, and he's not a terrific cutback runner either. I mean, he's he's got two ways oh. of operating. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the thing where they blow a huge hole open, he just runs straight ahead. And there's the thing where it's not a huge hole, but it's a hole, and he can see it, and he makes it bigger. And when he, you know, slams through there, knocking people, you know, butt over tea kettle as he goes down the field. But he's not a guy that he's not super creative, you know, which isn't shocking. I mean, you don't see a lot of super creative turn forty-two pounders. Uh, only a small number of those guys exist on the planet. But can he be effective in the right situation? Obviously. Um, let's see. Michigan State, you know, did pull out a, a 
two-touchdown victory. But they, once again, as we said, it's not pretty. It's not fun. Um, you know, you did Air Force 35 to 21, but you could tell you could tell they weren't having a good time doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the SEC Bowl is won by Northwestern, who are now ranked. Awesome. Um, and wow, Ohio State in Northern Illinois today. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, well so luckily they, they didn't play like that against against Virginia Tech because they would have lost to Virginia Tech again this year if they played like that against VPI. Uh, they would have picked up that early season L. Uh, well, they didn't play very well against Virginia Tech. I mean, well, they, they, didn't, they played but they played better than they played against Northern Illinois. And they didn't play very well against Hawaii either. I mean, they played all right, but it wasn't like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they haven't looked like the same machine that people were predicting they were going to be. Quite frankly, they have not looked like the team that people <laughs> said they were going to, you know, to resemble. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I watched most of that game because you know it was, it was close and everything. There too, and I will tell. I mean, I, I commented to you guys. I know that from what I say, uh, Urban Meyer ought to run, ought to put Brax back at quarterback. I mean, both of those guys looked horrible. <laughs> it wasn't just. Cardell was bad, and J.C. Barnett was a surgeon, which I read from like three or four Ohio no, State. No, fans. he was he was no. not a surgeon. He was not a they, surgeon. They both looked bad. I mean, yeah. Cardell looked like he didn't know what he was supposed to do, and J.C. Barnett looked like he couldn't do it even if he knew it. <laughs> well, I Barnett, mean, I mean, his his confidence is pretty shut, guys. Um, I mean. At least that's what my mother was saying. She's like, "Man, that part there, he doesn't look the same." And I'm like, "Okay," but um, <laughs> he, you know, he lost his job, and right, you know, and he's like, he's like mulling over it and stuff like that. Um, Cardell just seems like a guy that's just happy to be here. <laughs> just <laughs> <personality>. Like, <laughs> hey guys, what can I do? Hey, you know, it should be worse. But I'm here. So, I mean, it, like I said, both of those guys look bad. They look bad enough, like I told you. I think Urban Martin needs to consider putting Brax back in quarterback. One thing about well, Brax, at least you know what he can do. Elliott. I mean, you have a guy named Ezekiel Elliott. You have a guy named Michael Thomas. And yet they don't often throw to them. And Michael Thomas is pretty much open on 75% of the time that I've watched him. He's open most of the time. Yes, That's open. The yeah, he's he's a big he's a big wide receiver with good hips. I mean, he's if he, can, if he can work his way open against Virginia Tech. I mean, no offense, Northern Illinois secondary, but they aren't Virginia Tech. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, as I, I'm going to reiterate what I said. If they had played that way against Virginia Tech, that's an L. And that's an L by like ten to thirteen points. It's not even like a one point. It's not a field goal oh. game. It's like they lose that thing by. Coverage. You know, that kind of forgot how to play coverage because it was pretty simple stuff that Cardell was throwing at him. Um, like even the intermediate passes Cardell was throwing were like speed balls to a spot. You know, like hey, get open and then threw it. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, how say. They got. I mean, they're gonna have to figure stuff out. Obviously, is what we're talking about. But I mean, they they do. But then again, were they looking that hot last year around this time? Not really. So, 
the the one the one thing is they're very difficult to score on consistently. I mean, so I mean to consistently move the ball because they they have you know just outstanding athletes and on that side of the ball and they go they are well schemed and that they the one thing is even though it was close, I never had the idea that. Uh, Northern Illinois could actually take the ball and drive it on them. So, so I mean, yeah, that exactly. was the, so, I mean, even, Bill's going to point this up. I mean, when, when voting have time for that final four discussion, oh, Bill's going to be like, Ohio State barely beat NIU. And then, you know, the voters are going to be like, yeah, that's right. I mean, it was close, but they still beat them. I mean that that's the thing is if they go through the big ten unbeaten, you know, there it's not one where they're going to Uh oh. <laughs> well, here's some other things that, that you know I took away. Um Oklahoma State. That's a team with some playmakers. <laughs> They've got some some dudes. Uh, they've got receivers. I've, I've liked them all year. I mean, I I, I like their team. I mean, as, as a team that can score, and I actually think mm-hmm. maybe the one team in the Big Twelve that can actually play defense. <laughs> yep, they can play a little bit of defense. They can score. Uh, they they've got some stuff. Um, Deshaun Kaiser was, I guess, today better than Cardell um, in the Cardell sweepstakes or whatever. If you I wonder if people will start demanding that he declare, but they can't actually. He's a, I think he's a, is he a true freshman, but um, maybe he's a redshirt. But either way, I know he can't. Uh, but you know, of the Cardell Joneses out there, he was the better one. Uh, Georgia opened up a couple of cans on South Carolina. That, that's that's they got problems there in Bunch South jerks. Carolina. But, uh, I mean, are, are, are we at the, are we at are we at the point where we're talking about maybe it's it's time for Steve Spurrier to go do television? He would probably be really good, wouldn't yes. he? Um, he's quick. Uh, he's funny. He's uh, he, he has to be better than a, Matt Brown. Ball. Ooh, yeah, Mac Brown's. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Mac Brown on television, but he doesn't. He's not a value add. Like he doesn't. He knows a lot of football, but doesn't talk like he knows a lot of football. And he doesn't, his little stories and quips, they don't – he doesn't get you inside. He doesn't, he doesn't bring you stuff you couldn't get from a thousand other people. So maybe he's just happy to be there. Uh, but I'd like to see him, you know, get deeper. Um, okay. Now, Utah Fresno Gay is – Still a little ways from kickoff, I believe. Is that correct, James? Uh, 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 uh what? I believe it's already ha- started. No, okay. it hasn't started yet. It's about to kick. I don't off. think it has. Yeah, I don't think it's. I think they're going to kick off in a few minutes. But um, let me say this about about uh, Stanford USC. Stanford has done a good job of. Scoring, first of all. I mean, I, Stanford's offense, the last time I saw it, looked absolutely putrid. Um, 
they looked flat bad against Northwestern. It's, which it's, it's, it's 28-24 third quarter, USC leading. Yeah, right. But I'm, no matter what happens, Stanford's offense is a much better offense today than the one I saw against Northwestern, which struggled in every aspect. They're, they they struggled to run the ball. They struggled to throw the ball. They struggled, you know, sort of the classic, you know, we couldn't do diddly-poo kind of situation. And that's what it was. I mean, Northwestern dominated them, not so much in terms of running up and down the field or things like that, but they just prevented Stanford from ever establishing any part of their offense. How did they shut down Ohio State for most of this game today in Northwestern? They're still Ohio State. I mean, it was closer than it should have been. Well, Northwestern wasn't playing Ohio State. Or whatever Ohio State was playing. You mean Northern Illinois? Yeah, same difference. Um, it wasn't so much they shut them down. Ohio State didn't look good. They didn't play well. I mean, that's mostly what it was. If you, if you watched Ohio that. State, if you watched Ohio State, they just looked out of sorts. Uh, Cardell, yeah. and, that's, and let's remember, this is the reason Cardell wasn't a starter before. Let's not, let's remember, kids. Cardell was always a guy, the knock on him from Jump Street was he struggled with the middle side of the game. He wasn't a great film student. He wasn't a guy that, he took him a long time to learn the offense. And we're not talking about, you know, John Gruden circa 2007 offense. I mean, this is one of the, I don't want to say it's a simple offense, but it's not, it's not super difficult to learn. And Cardell struggled to learn it. So that's what kept him from being in the running originally to be a starter was that he just was having trouble grasping the offense. He's not a guy who's a great student of the game. They made to keep Braxton Miller back at quarterback. I see he completed a pass. Well, Braxton will, will be used as sort of a, I mean, obviously the comparison that Urban Meyer himself made was to a, a giant Percy Harvin. He's going to catch the ball, run the ball, and probably even throw the ball a few times, but he's never going to be a full-time quarterback again, partially because his, he keeps saying his shoulder is fine, but it's like people always kind of look, like don't want to meet his eyes when he says that, if you know what I mean. Like they, there seems to be sort of a, a wistfulness when other people talk about his shoulder. So I'm going to assume that there's something, and we'll see when he gets to the combine, that something is not quite 100% right with that shoulder. That apparently won't ever quite be right. You talk about a comparison to Percy Harvin. I just think that's his slap in the face. He's basically a disgrace to all wide receivers, really. Well, I mean, he's not not a super-developed anything yet. He's a really good athlete who isn't fully formed at this point. He's not really a running back. They play him an H-back in their, in their, in their offense. Uh, similar to the super back in a run-and-shoot set, where he conceivably could motion out, line up in the slot, even be asked to block in some situations, though I don't see them doing that a great deal with Braxton for a variety of reasons. Even though he's a decent-sized guy and fairly powerful, he's not exactly, you know, Clint Gittier or whatever. He's not exactly a, a classic blocker type. But, like I said, he's got you know, versatility, and obviously he un- he does understand the office at a high level, so he can potentially do lots of things with him, but he's not terribly refined. He's worked very hard on trying to make himself into a receiver. He's worked at, you know, catching the ball. He's turned himself into a decent route runner, but he's not, you know, amazing at any anything yet because it's so new to him. I don't um, blame him for that. Yeah. 
I guess another oh. game this week I'm wondering is how Louisville on Thursday was so close to Clemson. Well, two reasons. One, they're a better team than most people seem to realize. They, they've they're done a good job of, well, especially Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong, you know, stocked up some good talent to hand off to Petrino. Yeah. And, Petrino and Petrino has continued to, to add some decent classes. If Donald were here, I'm sure he'd tell you how many, you know, guys in the top 300 or whatever that they have. But they have a decent amount of talent on that team. They, they, they have a lot of good defensive talent. I mean, they yeah, just don't say. really. They just don't really have a whole lot of talent on offense. So I mean, that's why they, they keep losing close games because they can't. Score. I would just. I would just. They've got that. talent. They got, got talent offense. They don't have a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they just don't have a quarterback. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, right here, Cooper Bateman just threw one of the ugliest interceptions you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> I mean, you know, look. It looked like a punt, Hail Mary, to like that went 10 yards. <laughs> and some take some takeaways from that game also. I like how they utilized the run a lot more with Wayne Gallman, gave him 24 carries. He produced on 139 yards, averaging 5.8 yards a carry. Well, as I um, said, Gallman is a, more, is a more interesting and more productive and more – I mean, people get, talk about Henry – there, you want to get excited about a power runner. Gallman is a guy to get excited about, but he is a creative guy. He can make people miss or stop, start, my top get started again. Well, I'm saying he's a better all-around power runner than a guy like Henry because he can do more things as a runner. He's not just a sledgehammer. He's a guy who can do some things. So he's Henry more Brown. likely to translate. He's more likely to translate to being a full-time all-around back at the next level. Artavis Scott had a poor game. I guess when in, in terms of his receptions, not producing into long yards. Well, it's only one is, Did you did you see the corner play, baby? Yeah. They got some corners at Louisville. Those guys were in his hip pocket pretty much all day long. They've got corners. They've got some really nice corner talent. So that's Thanks. a lot of what happened. And he had a couple of drops in there, too, but mostly it was just the corner play was excellent against him. Do you think this game would have been closer if Mike Williams was playing? Um, I mean, I, I think they would have done a good job of covering him, too. I didn't see anything that said to me that Mike Williams would have been just running free through the secondary. I mean, they've got good – good. that secondary is a good secondary. I, I think Louisville has one of the top 15 to 20 secondaries in, in the NCAA. How long is Mike Williams out anyways? Well, that I no one knows. That. <laughs> that is an open question. That, 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 that answer has not been developed yet. They say that he's healing well. They feel good about his progress. That's, that's where things are now. Uh, Sean what? But, he, but, he's had, but he's a guy who had a broken neck. So I'm going to get – I mean, you know, they're, they're going to be careful. They're going to be careful. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to take the over and whatever they say. Ole Miss legit just had Robert Kimdichie running the Wildcat. And why not? And why wouldn't you? <laughs> it worked. So, Jimmy, you excited on your Tennessee victory? Uh you know, I'm, I'm not going to get too excited over a victory over Western Carolina. So, 
you know, I, I saw they threw a pass to Cameron Sutton as they put him at receiver one play. I mean, yeah, I, was, I, I, I probably watched like three plays from that game. I was watching other game because, I mean, you know, it's Western Carolina. And you couldn't catch that, I, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, I, I, I respect, you know, that's a, that's a game to me that doesn't tell you a whole lot, except that if, they, if they're not winning it big, that probably tells you more than, you know, actually the, the way they won the game. So, going in, since we're talking about, since Tennessee is an SDC team, uh, one of the more disappointing matchups I thought was going to be a big game this year, LSU and Auburn. LSU just put it down on our Auburn. Auburn yeah, well, that's because Auburn, Auburn isn't what people thought Auburn, including I, thought Auburn was. They're not a contender for the SEC West. They're not a contender for the National Championship for anything. They're a contender for they're like the minus. They're actually a contender for the minus. They are actually a contender with Arkansas for most disappointing team in the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is for that, they're a contender. Why Nick Marshall is starting over Jeremy Johnson, and I think we all got that reason. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, well, the, I said, yeah. as I've said many times, coaches will go with the guy they trust over the most talented guy nine times out of ten. They, and they I'm, not even sure from what, I'm not even sure from what I've seen you can call Johnson even more talented than Marshall. Um, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Stafford just went back up on USC. I, mean, I don't know how to... I, I don't know how to handle Kevin Hogan playing well. <laughs> I cannot watch another Kevin Hogan game. <laughs> I've checked out. Two, two things. One is his line plays much better. I mean, that's a big part of it. Uh, the the line play against Northwestern was just horrid. It was shocking to me. I mean, that was the thing that I, I predicted that game would be really close and that Northwestern was going to give them a run. I just couldn't see a way to Stanford would get beat up front like that. And they're playing better. I mean, that's the main thing. Their line is better this day than against Northwestern. Oh, they, Penn State. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, well, but, but still, it should be pointed out that Penn State's moved the ball on the ground in every single game they've played this year. So it's not like they've struggled in the run game. Look at the numbers. They've run the ball successfully in every single game they've played. It's so, just in this game, they've just decided they're not even going to. They're not. They, if you look at the, I watched some of that game as well. Uh, one thing is you know, the game plan was clearly they're only going to pass if they have to. <laughs> and uh, Rutgers really, Rutgers is looking like a team that is mentally done. I mean, they're looking like a team that's mentally beat down. And. Uh, I mean, you know, that's a that's a team that's you know been just devastated with suspensions. The coach is suspended. Some of their best, very best players are suspended. I mean, it's just it's been one of those. You know, it's been a train wreck almost at Rutgers for the last couple of months. This was one of the most disturbing games to watch all year. Just bad play all over the place. Well, not really a surprise. I mean, I think we expected there would be hey, some... Hey, you guys 
<laughs> that was like the loser leaves uh, town yesterday, like former WWF stuff. Yep, I said, you know, it's like a loser leaves town match. Um, the, the the loser almost literally will be leaving town in some ways. I mean, they've got some issues, some problems, some some stuff. Both both programs to work out. So, Steve, I, I'm wondering. I don't remember if I've asked this question. Who is who, in your opinion, is uh, is leading the Heisman race? I think Fournette pulled ahead today. I, I agree. I, so I, I think I think Fournette pulled ahead, especially if LSU keeps winning. Uh, you, you certainly. I mean, he. He's without any doubt. Wow. Ole Miss is down. Ole Miss is cool. <laughs> Ole Miss is just putting it on Alabama right now. Yep. Now, earlier we had Shane on uh, in the preseason, you know, well, pre, not preseason, you know, in the summer, like July, whatever it was, talking about the SEC. And actually talking about the Big 12 at the time. He said he thought the most talented too deep in the nation was Oklahoma. They've got talent, but I I think Ole Miss is the most talented too deep in the nation. They are loaded. And Coach Freeze has stockpiled talent there. Like, it's crazy what he's done and how quickly they went from being a meh, you know, SEC team to a team that just in terms of just top flight creme de la creme talent, they can stack up against anybody, anybody. There's nobody that they can backseat to in terms of stud athletes. They are stocked. I think they've got more talent than Alabama. How dare you? It's true, though. Who, who I mean, in Alabama compares with DeMurray Stringfellow, right? Who they have that's like that on their roster at Alabama? Name, name him if he, if he exists. Um, I bet Jim will tell. I mean, not Jim. Uh, Steve will tell you. Tennessee has more talent. I mean, I, Tennessee has a lot of talent. Tennessee doesn't know how to win yet. Uh, Ole Miss won that big game last year. They beat Mississippi State. That's a more than anything. And I, and I, you know, Bill knows I took them in the article that I wrote. I took Ole Miss, and you know, I said on Twitter, one of the things is is that they weren't the team that was you know, basically in pregame that announced two starting quarterbacks. I mean, if you look at Alabama and uh, I think a lot of people came into the day with Alabama and Ohio State one and two, both are struggling because both can't figure quarterbacks. I mean, so in Alabama's case, it's really because neither one of them really deserve to play quarterback. You're just almost trying to pick one. And, uh, and in Ohio State's case, I don't know what's going on there. I have no clue what, what, what's going on with Ohio there. Yeah, it takes control <laughs> of the quarterback. He I mean, Jesse Barrett has looked a lot better than what Cardell has. I mean, and like I said, like I said earlier, uh, J.C. Barrett. I mean, he didn't he didn't play well today either. So <laughs> he just looked. I, I know that he just didn't. He looked a lot better than what Cardell was. Cardell just looked like he should. He had no business being on the field. Yeah, I mean, you you had one guy who was having. You had one guy who looked like to me didn't know what to do, 
you had another guy who knew what to do and couldn't. So I have no idea what's going to go on there. I mean, from what you would have thought would have been a great quarterback situation, it looks like it looks like to me that teams now have tape on Cardell. He might have snuck up on some people at the end of last year, but teams, you know, now now looked at it and said, "Hey, you got to take away the deep ball. You, you know, he's going to he's going to always try to beat you with that. Take that away, and then make him do some, make him have to drive up the field, and he's having a hard time with that." So. I know somebody, uh, you talk about Iceland, somebody who may be jumping in front after this week, uh, Trayvon Boykin. Yeah, he's having, a, he's having a good day, and, you know, his team's starting to pull away. Uh, you know, one guy who might get in it, especially if Baylor continues to win, might be Bill's guy, Seth Russell. Might end up, you know, if, he, if, he, if they end up being a, a good team. No. Seth Russell's fantastic. So, if they end up being the team that wins the Big 12, and because I mean, one thing we do know is both TCU and Baylor probably won't be in the in the national championship game uh, playoff. That seems to be uh, some resistance to that from last year. Oh my God! I'm just looking at the stat line for TCU. Doxson only has three catches, but he's already had 122 yards and a touchdown at all three of his uh, passes. Oh, yeah, they're playing a big play game over there. So I'm on uh, Aaron Green, 10 carries, 102 yards, one touchdown. Well, I mean, it's one of those games where everybody's going to get to play and everybody's going to have good stats. It's, you know, essentially almost like a seven-on-seven kind of situation there. So you have to take everything that's happening there with fit baseball. SMU is staying in the shootout, though. Oh, well, that's the thing that they will be able to do. And they've got to, like I said, we talked about their – they do have some skill position talent. They have the ability to move the ball, and they'll score some points on whoever, (laughs) you know, who whoever. I don't know if this is coming up. Here a blowout. I mean, sports says differently, but it's not going to stay that way. Yeah, Morris is a really good play caller too. So they'll, especially once they get into their conference schedule. Oh shoot! Oh Miss just scored again. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Well, like I said, the more talented, the more talented team. I mean, What's that, going on with O.J. Howard? He is not impressive. Well, the same thing has always been going on. They they don't feature him in the offense. I don't know why exactly, well, but he's never, I mean, never been. Is Lane Kiffin ever really thrown the ball to tight ends? Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. Like Mari Cooper. <laughs> yeah, his offense is more wide receiver-centric. I mean, this year, actually, coming into this game, uh, Kenyon Drake actually led them in receiving. So, Oh, right, right. But, I mean, right, remember how Stanley Havili used to get the ball all the time? I mean, they used to – when he was the play caller, you know, when he first became the play caller at USC, they spread the ball out very liberally. They, they didn't tend to pick on a particular guy. 
the tight ends got the ball, the running backs got the ball, the fullback got the ball. You know, they threw it to basically whoever's open. Now, they seem to be more into trying to get it to the playmaker, you know, whoever it is they think is the guy, seems to be the guy that gets the ball more now. And we'll see. Oh, my you know, God. They're having Robert Nikomdichi, or whatever his name is. He's already scored a few times uh, in the previous week, uh, being thrown a touchdown and rushing the touchdown. Um, and there's, I don't know how they can do that, feature him everywhere on that offense. He's basically like the college version of J.J. Watt. Well, I mean, the difference is that J.J. Watt was a much more productive and polished yeah. player. I know. Uh, I know. The, the, the thing is that he is one of their I'm best I'm just saying athletes. in terms of playing standpoint. Well, he's a guy that they have. He's a guy that has a lot of physical talent, and they're trying to figure out ways to take advantage of his rather unique set of physical talent. So they're going to figure out ways to do things with him. But the one thing I wish he would do more is show development of his technical skills. You still don't see him consistently playing with the you know low flat, you know plowing through. You don't see him consistently. This is a really good play by Kim DG. <laughs> but he's been well, getting inside on those Alabama guards. Well, good. Yeah. And uh, that's something he should be able to do. I mean, that's the kind of thing he, he, he has the ability to do. You know? The professional game uh, has just started, really. Yeah, yeah. A few minutes ago, yeah. You well, know, so still on the clock, you know. So I'd like to see him, like I said, do that a little bit more. Um, yeah, he. I, I like, you know. I, I think you guys. I did a with the background I did for the article. I mean, you know, I looked at quite a bit of Ole Miss, and so like I think you, this guy, uh, you know, I think you guys have said, and Robert Kimbichi's probably still going to be paying the therapy bills for that beating Dell Alexander gave us. It was like when he was in his thirties. I mean that that was, I mean that it was. Uh, I mean it was ugly, ugly, ugly. You know, from a, from a guy you know you would think is a, a top five player. I mean, just I mean Alexander got him in that phone booth and he just wore him out to the point where they swapped Indici over to the over to the right guard and you know basically ran up the red flag of I mean the white flag of surrender. Uh, it gave us it was really it was literally that bad. I mean, it was, and uh, you know, I don't I don't know that. But then again, and and, and Montel brought this up. Why have you got uh, Tim Dicci squared up on a three hundred and fifty pound guard like Alexander? So <laughs> there's that as well. <laughs> and so you know that's it's probably not where you where he's going to be able to win, but. Play Daddy Nicholas in them to a certain extent, you know. Putting a 230 pound edge guy against the guard, kind of. Okay. Yeah, it didn't work well, and uh, so, but uh, he's having a good game today. Hey, Bill. Um, I watched the. Uh, Texas A&M game earlier today. Uh, Kyle Allen, he just looked freaking fantastic this year. Uh, what are some What are some scouting things you've done on him so far? 
Yeah, I when you look, and always we talked about the sort of crisis of quarterback play. We talked about the crisis of safety play. And thank you, Mississippi. Uh, thank you, University of Mississippi, for at least partially restoring my face in the safety position. Uh, good safety play, you know, a, a, a little preserve of safety play, a good, solid safety play in an avalanche of poor to subpar safety play. So it's good to see that, you know, a little bit of that makes you feel good, better about the position. Yeah, I mean, um, this, every single one of these Ole Miss defensive backs, I mean, they just, they treat they treat yards after the catch like, you know, like it's a, a, an infectious disease that they don't want to, they don't want to have. I mean, they just, they get, they, they tackle the wide receiver where he catches the ball. There's a great play. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I mean, the land sharks are good. <laughs> they are, they're good. I mean, I mean, that's the he chooses the right hand here. I mean, gets it so he doesn't interfere with the play and knocks it away, and that's about as well as you could hope. I mean, so I mean, they they play the ball well. They, I mean, you earlier. I mean, Alabama was throwing it one yard short, and you a lot of times, you know, you throw that ball, throw that one yard short, the receiver can get you that yard. But they were just nailing those guys and stopping them right there. I mean, it's just it's impressive the way they're they're playing, uh, and uh, you know, just they're tackling. They're not giving up big plays. So, yeah, I mean, Bill, you have every right to have your face restored in good defensive back play. Yeah, I think this game is going to end up being a blowout. Um, I think Alabama, is, they're going to suffer their first loss of the season, and they'll be okay. They'll be okay, but I, I predicted they weren't going to win the the SEC West. And of course, I was oh, completely I wrong. I was, <laughs> I was completely wrong in predicting it would be Arkansas who knocked them off. But I did predict that they would not win the SEC West. Uh, yeah, I was and, very very disappointing. Well, all the engines for predicting that. Right, but Alabama the point is fine. that we, but we all knew that Alabama. Anyone who correctly looked at Alabama going into the season, you could see this wasn't the same Alabama. This is not a team that was ready or prepared or stocked up or any of the things. They didn't have the components in place to be a national championship contender. That much I could tell you going into the season. And it was obvious And what to I me. could tell you is they have the guys. They're just uh, registered freshmen this year. Well, I mean, there are teams with registered freshmen who win national championships. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's not the issue. It's not the age of the players that's the issue. It's the talent of the players that's the issue. They don't have the talent that they've had in other years. They do not. It's clear. If you just look at the they can make do and what they have. Well, that's simply not true. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're seeing the proof of that. It, you can't simply make up for not having good enough players. It doesn't work that way. 
it just doesn't. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't. Yeah, the be better fine. team, the, the uh, better wins. Almost the all the time. Is, uh, the offensive line is clearly, in my opinion, not as good. Exactly. And uh, uh, the the offensive playmakers aren't. You know, they're, you don't you don't have you don't have the Amari Coopers and Julio Joneses, the guys who made those big plays for those average quarterbacks. And the closest they have to it is O.J. Howard, but for whatever reason, they don't seem to want to build their offense around the tight end, I guess. I don't know. Oh, because they the way I wanted to build around the Johnson Town with Keenan Drake and Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has been a monster this year, and people are already putting him on the ballot for the Heisman. People are yeah, not Heisman, not Heisman voters. <laughs> He's not going to be in New York. Just, they've already, they're already down to They're like, yep. Derek Henry for Heisman, he's, he's scored like, I don't know how many times he's been phenomenal. Um, he, and he, I wouldn't say he's been phenomenal. He's been okay. Derek Henry. Hey, okay. Been awesome. <laughs> wow. Did you see what he did to that Wisconsin safety bill, remember? When the safety tried to hit him low and he got a concussion <laughs> everybody was making fun of him? Well, let's just try a, a wide receiver in the round pass. And uh, wow, a full no one. And Russell, I think, just did a full DDT. <laughs> I, I think he executed a Jake the Snake Roberts DDT. I was just thinking that too. <laughs> right there on the field. That should be a flag, though, shouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that. That's the thing is that without them, they don't have the uh, the offensive line isn't as good as what they've had in the past. Their offensive playmakers aren't as good. They don't have the explosive playmaker. He's uh, you know they've always pretty much been. Well, the thing is, is guys like McCarron, you know, McElroy, they were at least the average. But, I mean, I mean, Jacob Coker and Super Bateman are a special kind of awful. <laughs> they, they are just, they're terrible quarterbacks. To the point where you're... Is, they're supposedly a huge upgrade in terms of talent over the John Parker Wilson and Brody Coyle. Well, and... again, Bill, put it yourself in the seat of an Alabamian. He's six foot five, white. He's quarterback. So that seems to be an upgrade. Doesn't really matter if it's a football field. He's a big yeah, old white so... guy, so obviously that's an upgrade. Right, right. But Over the back, the backup, the backup running back. back. Why is it down to a five white guy? Because what? that's what if you, if you, because it, because still if you peer into the minds of offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches and hypnotize them and say draw me up what a quarterback looks like and it just comes straight out of their subconscious that's what comes straight out of their subconscious a guy that looks like Carson Palmer or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady mm-hmm. or Christian Jackson or not. 
Well, it's only time, well, except for Carson Palmer, Brady and Manning come in basically like uh, once every 20, 10 years or whatever. Maybe once in a lifetime. You never know. Sure. Yeah, not, but that doesn't stop, them, that doesn't stop them from having the same prototype in their mind. <laughs> I didn't say that these guys were easy to find. I said that's what's in their mind. They will be like, oh, this person is six foot five. They have a something inch vertical. This is what their vertical is. There's not translate meaning they're a good player. Well, that's the point we're making there. <laughs> that's the point we're driving at, Isaiah. I'm glad you caught up. There, but that's that's Jacob Cooker was upgrade, but it only was because he's a six foot five white guy. In reality, people <laughs> wish are wishing that Blake Sims could get another year eligibility right now. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that happens, isn't it? Because they couldn't get rid of him fast enough at one point. And they just to hand him back. Well, yeah, the like whole thing was... The whole thing was just going to kill him. To go up the yeah. whole... The whole thing was that things are going to be better. We can really open up the playbook and all that. You know, remember all the, you know, stuff? It's like now we can, you know, really do this or we'll do that. The things we couldn't do, we can do it now because now we'll be able to drive the ball down the field and all this stuff. And now, you know, now look. I'm, even I, I mean, I'll be honest, even I figured that if Lane Kiffin could get a decent play out of Jonathan Crompton, I mean, <laughs> he could pull something out of Jacob Coker. <laughs> Well, he pulled I wouldn't get my hope. You know, so that's, that gives you an idea of what we're – now, maybe he doesn't need some more time in the system. I mean, who knows? But thus far, they've – they're, you know, they're going to be There's in trouble. There's a going on, Bill, with Alabama because, you know, apparently Saban was not happy with the direction the offense went last year. And – that's just rumors, speculation. See, what I think Saban feels as a, as a coach. Then you go to this year, and you have okay. Saban talking glowingly about, yeah, we have Coker, and we're going to run the football, and we're not going to do any of this crazy wide receiver type stuff. But you don't have the same sort of, I mean, you know, again, your whole little pound-the-rock mentality can work, but you need to have at least something on the edge as a, as in terms of a playmaker as a pass catcher. So, I, I don't know. It's not the same Alabama, but it's never been the same Alabama. This Alabama team has not won a national championship in, like, how long? It's been a while. They'll be fine. They haven't won a national championship, so they'll still be Alabama. Well, I mean, the question isn't whether they're going to be Alabama or not. The question is, they're losing the arms race. If you look at, they don't have a Robert NDC. They don't have a guy like that. They don't have a DeMaria Stringfellow. They don't have a guy like that. The team that's getting those guys is Ole Miss. Ole Miss is showing up with the bigger guns. They've got the better players. And if that continues, whether they're Alabama or not, they will be. I mean, people somehow block out the memory of what happened after Gene Stallings was pushed off, you know. They struggled. 
people blocked it out. They've forgotten about it, but Alabama struggled. There's nothing sure. magical about the fact that the place is called Alabama. That means that they suddenly can't be beaten. You know, so let's not pretend that it can't happen to them, that it's impossible that they could end up in a situation where they are looking up at Ole Miss. That's completely possible. Wow, that was a, kind of a you only live once, twice, or touchdown. You know, so so that's the thing. I mean, it, that that they've got to contend with the fact that Ole Miss is putting together better a better roster. That the better roster belongs to Ole Miss. That's not a surprise if you just looked at the guys they they're rolling with. They have the better guy. And Chad Kelly, though he may not be Jim Kelly, he's the better quarterback. So you have the better roster and the better quarterback. That's usually a victory. I think the second closest roster to Ole Miss, and I know you guys are probably going to scoff at me for it, but I believe it's Texas A&M. They're just put together. They've got an impressive roster with a don't have there's two things they, they like. One is they, they they don't have great once you get past a couple of sort of flashy well, guys in the front seven. Compared to Ole Miss, 100%. Right. Right. There's two right, the offensive line and once you get beyond a couple of players, they have two great edge players. But the rest of their defense isn't amazing once you get past the two really impressive edge players. They don't have they don't have a Tony Connor. They don't have anybody like that, you know, in the back half of their defense. So, yeah, that's where they come up a little bit short. So there's talent. Yeah. The, 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 um, closer than you guys think. It is a, match, uh, the, uh, a matchup I'm, I'm really looking forward to with Texas A&M is when they play a, a team like LSU that's going to line up and lean on them a little bit. Uh that, I don't know that their defense is really built to withstand a, a team that's just going to lean on them. Oh, it's not. And commit to that. I mean, Miles uh, Garrett did not look like Miles Garrett versus LSU last year. It was a different Miles Garrett. Because he I mean, was getting finished by Lyle Collins every other play in the running game. There you go. Don't you, you know? remind me of that. No. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's it as well. So they hit twice. So that's just gonna they're gonna beat them up front on defense, and that's gonna be kind of over. And that is, you know, that is the the secret sauce. Essentially, the dealing with a team that has tremendous edge rushers, but doesn't have the ability to stack with you know the three hundred and whatever pound power guys. I mean, they don't have an Andrew Billings. They don't have that. That's where Alabama that guy is better, you know, in terms of, you know, what they do. You know, Alabama, at least with their front seven, matches up a little bit better with LSU. Yeah, I mean, for a long time, Alabama and LSU are basically teams that are built to beat each other. Exactly. So, That's exactly what I was about to say. That's why those teams look the way they do, because of each other. So... <laughs> So I mean, and, and you know, it takes 
if you're going to try to now become teams and beat somebody else, it's going to take a little bit to turn that. I mean, like, one thing that Alabama's had trouble with is basically any team that's running tempo on them in the last couple of years has, you know, found big plays. Auburn, uh, Ole Miss, Ohio State. I mean, basically any team that's ran tempo on Alabama has found big plays in the offering, especially late. And uh, now, I mean, you're now having to, you know, go from guys like, yeah, if you're going to play the guys that teams are going to have to be teams that play tempo, I mean, guys like Ragland and Hightower and your linebackers are great players. They really are. They're great players. I mean, but if that's what your, all of your linebackers look like, you're going to have a hard time dealing with teams that play tempo and spread you out. And, and uh, you know, as as Jim would say, that's not your jam. You know, that's, that's, not, what you, that's not what you're about. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that is the truth, that you're going to struggle with that because you're that's, – that's the reason for the touring 27-pound middle linebacker and the touring 22-pound will linebacker and the touring 39-pound <laughs> Sam linebacker that you're seeing more and more is exactly because of what you just mentioned, having to worry about being in space and, you know, dealing with slot receivers and dealing with – you know, scat back type running back, you know, the Tyreek Hills of the world and things like that. You don't want a touring. You know, LeVon Kirkland is not the guy you want if that's the guys you have to deal with. So, I mean, and like, so those are two teams that essentially Alabama's built to beat LSU and LSU's built to beat Alabama because for many, many years, Alabama's going to have a hard time, Leonard Burnett. <laughs> I mean, the thing, the thing is, is I, I, I think Alabama might actually be a better matchup for, for LSU than they are for Ole Miss. Because, I mean, guys, Leonard Fournette is a great player and everything, but Alabama is big in their front seven. I mean, they're, they're, they're a big, big defense. And a guy like Reggie Ragland can tackle anybody. <laughs> so, if I mean, if he if he if he, if he squared, the thing is, is Alabama. I mean, Alabama's linebackers aren't going to make a business decision like you saw some from Auburn today. I mean, like the one from I mean, the one from Ford that I mean, that was just embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, that was, and that run by Leonard Fournette, his seventy-one yard run, he had like eight guys hanging off of him. Yeah, but they're it was one of the most incredible that, runs I've seen this year, this college year. I mean, the, the thing is, is you, I mean, you had that run, but I can almost guarantee he didn't have Ashawn Robinson and Reggie Ragland hanging off of him while he was making or Adolphus Washington. I mean, you know, he, he those Auburn defenders just aren't very good. I mean, they haven't been very good for how long, Bill? Since uh, since for a while. Was there. I mean, um, well, let's see. When was when did uh, I'm trying to think of when um, what's his name left? Uh, uh, the linebacker with a thigh for a neck played for about fourteen years in the league. Um, enormous neck. I mean, crazy. 
Thank you, Tequila Spikes. Yes. That was well, a good Tequila Spikes was a monster. <laughs> one, of my favorite, yes. one of my favorite defensive players to scout and watch. Yeah. <laughs> he had like a 21-inch neck or something crazy. Um, but, yes, <laughs> Tequila Spikes. That was a good defense, the one that he was on. Uh, but, yeah, they've not been great on defense in a while. I mean, you know, I mean Tuberville. Better. You know, Tuberville, I guess. Yeah, they fired uh, Ellis Johnson, you know, and hired, uh, you know, Will Muschamp. But, I mean, I'm just – I still think Ellis Johnson was really the problem. <laughs> uh, no. No, Ellis Johnson wasn't telling people to take bad angles. He wasn't saying, you know, uh, mm-hmm. get yourself turned at the line of scrimmage. He wasn't telling people to play with bad head level. Every single um, defensive player I've seen this year going in was was extremely athletically gifted, but not very mm-hmm. smart football players. You know, yep. they're physically gifted, they're fast, they're quick, but they don't really know what they're doing 100%. Well, when people fire defensive coordinators, and this is, I mean, you can almost write the press conference that comes afterwards. We liked what blah, blah, blah was doing. You know, he was a great coach, blah, blah, But we needed to have our guys play freer and faster. We're going to simplify things. If that isn't said, that's like a drinking game. In a defensive coordinator post-firing press conference drinking game, every time someone mentions playing faster, simplifying it, or how my guys play free or not think so much, you have to take a drink. So Then you don't want to go to the press conference. The Titans said that. Uh, and Bill, I swear, they said that when they hired, they said that, and the guy they hired was Dick LeBeau. We're going to make it simpler. We're going to hire Dick LeBeau. <laughs> oh, they're just trolling you when they do that. That's just, they're having fun with you. That's what that is, because that's, that's not why you hired Dick LeBeau. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, wait. Some rookie right. thinks his brain is going to come bubbling out of his ears. <laughs> well, he's, um, he's a good teacher, though. So, like, even though... He's a great you know, teacher, though. He's, he's got a, 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 a lot of... He'll jump. Yep. That's when you're going to hire. <laughs> but he's not going to make it simpler. He's, he's going to find ways to teach you all that crazy stuff is what he's going to do. Because he's... He is an excellent teacher. I mean, he's one of the great teachers of defense the world has ever known. And if you're if you're a good player, Dick LeBeau will put you in a position to where you you are going to be at a, you're going to be an advantage. I mean, like I said, I saw one stunt where the Titans stunted. I mean, Blackson blocked down, and Casey he's came behind him already. He's going to be a and hard Casey, coach. And Casey came behind him. And then the only person between Jarrell Casey and Jameis Winston was Doug Martin. Jarrell Casey was dead. The, well, Doug, Martin, you know, Doug Martin legitimately made a business decision on yes, that. He's, he's pretty feisty, <laughs> but yes, I understand that. <laughs> he, he, he tried to throw his shoulder into Casey, you know, maybe slow him down a little bit. But uh, yeah, that, that didn't work. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, 
So that, well, that's, that's, a, that's what you that's what you hope as a co- as a defensive coach. Get get good players in a position where they are at an advantage of who's matched up with them. Right, <laughs> and that's that's your job. That's what coordinators are supposed to do. That's basically your description. You have position coaches to teach them the actual skills. You have, you know, the head coach to manage the game and all that good stuff. And the job that you have as a coordinator is to figure out with the guys that you have what they can and can't do and to make sure the things they can do, you put them in a position to do that so that they can hopefully, as you said, have an advantage. You know, the way to make sure your guys win, as they like to say nowadays, is on making sure the other person is in a position to lose when they get there. That's, you maneuver that. That's your point. It's like, who can we beat? And how can we beat them? Who's the weak point? Who's the guy that can't take my guy in a fair fight? And now, I mean, let me set them up. And it was really, if you saw it with Peyton Manning, that they were able to isolate Emmanuel Sanders on Jamel Fleming. Well, that's a tough day at the office for Jamel Fleming. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's better than he can handle. So, you know, when he can't handle it, it shouldn't be a big surprise. But uh, let's see. The Stanford actually looks like they might – are they going to kick another field goal? Trying to go up two scores here with two minutes to go? <laughs> I mean, if Stanford lays 41 on SC, does – I mean, does Wilcox start hearing whispers? No, it means that Northwestern should be number one in the polls. So that's what that means, because they <laughs> shut them down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. you... <laughs> I saw that game, and, again, I, I it was a combination of Kevin Hogan and offensive line just not, just not in sync. So. I didn't see dominance from Northwestern. That's all I'm trying to say. You know, yeah, the, I saw a bunch of uh, guys happen to, you know, just beat up on a team that really shouldn't beat up on them, you know? Yeah, the one thing with, with SC, I wonder if on their defense, if they shouldn't be playing more of their freshmen and sophomores. I mean, because you these, these – what you're saying here, you're not really seeing dynamic defensive players at USC, and they're especially in their, the upper class when they're playing. And you're not seeing guys that are that are different makers on defense. And uh, so I wonder, you know, that, and you, you're not really seeing a team coming off a coming off a ball either. I mean, you're not seeing a team that's you know playing with their hair on fire. So. And, you know, that that's, that has been an issue for them in the past. They at times have not looked like a team that, you know, is super psyched to be there at times. Uh, now, some of that was due to wearing down back when they were just really being hit hard by the scholarship limits. By this point, you know, they, they've had a, now a couple of full recruiting classes. You'd like to see – guys go hard until they don't have anything left and then tap out and let someone else go for a while. They have the depth to allow them to do that for a while. They didn't, you know, they'd say, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, you can't, you can't come out. I need you to, you know, keep going. And if you, 
if you're gassed, you're gassed. I'm sorry, but you just got to keep playing. But now that should no longer be an issue. So, you know, I, I, that I that has has that shouldn't be still the case. I know sometimes people develop, you know, bad habits of trying to conserve a little energy, but you know, you shouldn't have to do that anymore. They've got some depth. Interesting. Stanford's really going to beat USC. Well, they're definitely up. They're definitely up two scores with two minutes to go. That's like the most USC thing USC can do. What is it? I call him Bill. All eight and five start. Yes, as you said, all eight and five start. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, it's just – I still don't get why Pat Hayden I, – I, I understood the Lane Kiffin, you know, firing. I still don't get why they fired Ed Orgeron. I, I, I still don't well, get Well, they didn't, they didn't fire Orgeron. They asked him to stay on as defense coordinator, and he said, you know, you, you can do with your DC well, job. They, 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 they did fire him, Bill. That's just – that's <laughs> – bunch of BS speaker they fired him basically. Um that's like uh you know, you can stay on as this, you can go. Well I mean you're, you're kinda of firing him. Um I mean they they the reason why they let Kocho go is because Kocho is not the type of guy that USC yes. USC in a lot of ways has an image to uphold. And Kocho fit that image. He's oh, not very smooth. He's not great with the media. Blah blah. So Steve Sarkeesian is. <laughs> I mean, it's half the stuff you hear about Steve Sarkeesian in Washington. It's true. Well, again, everybody. Hey, hey, listen here. <laughs> everybody once in a while takes a bunch of pills and gets a little drunk out of practice. So, <laughs> right? Oh no. Okay, but whatever. Like sometimes some people do that. And bad, but overall, Sark is actually a pretty good media guy. Has the look that any the former USC guy as well, you know, in many ways. So he's people are familiar with him. He was like mm-hmm. their fifth, sixth choice, but he was good fifth or sixth choice, as Pete Smith likes to say. Well, as you know, the guy I was calling, the two guys I called for, were. Chris Peterson first, and then Ken Milton Jr. and a sort of a second option. If they weren't going to simply just keep Orger on and elevate him to um, I mean, yeah, that's I mean to where that program to me where that program was when Kiffin as low as it was when Kiffin got basically told him not to get on the bus. And uh, at the end of the year, they were pretty good that year. I mean, they were pretty good by the end of the year. I mean, those guys were playing hard for Coach O. And and I like said, I just said, then again, I mean, mean, at some point you have to go, you have to ask yourself, is Pat Hayden the guy at AD? 
I mean, you, know, you, you want to bring Mike Garrett back? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you know, someone, someone's got to ask, why do you keep getting all these ex players? <laughs> how many, how many, how many, how many of the major college programs now are AD? Is you know, are just you got to be an player to be an AD. I mean, you're right. It's not that common. They're going after more business types, and I mean, he is a business. I mean, the guy is a brilliant mind, and you know, Rhodes Scholar, and you know, MBA, and I mean, he's a bright, bright guy. It's not an intelligence issue, but they want someone with a football background. They want someone who's good with the media. The guy works for years in television. He is the classic choice for USCAD. You know, you think about it. It's a TV town. He's got a TV background. He's terrific on camera. He's extremely bright. He was a, you know, all-American quarterback at USC, a Rhodes Scholar. I mean, he's made to order. Now, well, does that I mean, you you can't say. Well, one thing you can you can definitely say is he's not as bad as Steve Patterson, as bad as Pitt as Steve Patterson was at Texas. Yeah, that's true. Well, oh. <laughs> I mean, that was a guy that didn't get it, basically. Yeah, so how far does USC drop in the rankings, do you guys think? Somewhere in the 20, 21, probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's still a lot of things, you know, that still don't have a loss. So... And they'll go behind most all, most all the ones in the Power Five that don't have a wall. And Max Brown is still a mystery. Oh, uh, yeah. So... Chad Kelly. Uh, obviously, there were some questions about him coming into the year. Will this start to put him on the quote-unquote radar in terms of quarterback prospects for this year? I think he has to have an, another year. Uh, he has to play well for another year, uh, mainly because, I mean, you know, he's only been there for a part of the year. And, and there are some... I mean, you know, if you the 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 reasons he got he's not at Clemson any longer are going to concern NFL general managers. Is this really the guy I want to be leading my team? I mean, this, I mean, there there are some like I said, I, I there are some at least whispers. He's not a great teammate. He's a little bit of a knucklehead. Uh, then again, he was only nineteen. I mean, so let's. I mean, you know, maybe it's just, uh, uh, you know, a 19-year-old being a 19-year-old. But, you know, there's, it is very rare for a, for a college to just kick a guy as talented as, as Chad Kelly out of school. Oh, and, well, you know, well, she, and she used to go with, she used to go with young Stout, who was like, yeah, wow. I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. He's a guy that should have been, you know, a backup at a Mac school. I get that. But here, <laughs> my understanding is that 
you know, he was that guy that came in with that, you know, attitude. Um, not so much a bad attitude, but a, you know, guy who seemed to want to do certain things his own way, not necessarily buying in all the time to everything, a burgeoning rap career, you know, I mean, all these sort of extraneous issues that people don't tend to like to see in their quarterback. Petulant. Uh, and he enjoyed the the nightlife, you know. Uh, he he was a guy that definitely enjoyed being known as a quarterback at Clemson, and didn't always put. He was a grinder. He wasn't a guy who was watching all the tape, listing all the weights. Like that wasn't really his thing. Uh, I've heard that that has changed. I mean, given their stand that he's matured in terms of, and maybe the year at junior college helped, you know, winning a national championship, learning what it takes to be a, a champion, those kinds of things. Sometimes that stuff helps. It helps, it helps Cam. I mean, there were whispers about Cam, too. Remember, in the coaching community, he used to be Cam Newton. I mean, he was a guy that a lot of people thought was a huckster and a glad-hander and, frankly, a liar, you know, but some people thought of him. There were coaches that, you know, that's where some of that Nolan Milwaukee stuff comes from. You know, he talked to coaches who there were people who thought he kind of, people thought he was kind of a con artist. There were people who did believe that about Cam. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, you know, it, it was the the fake smile thing from you know that you came out was it was terrible. I mean, you know, just. But it was a terrible way to look at a prospect. But the guy who who, who said it, and I don't, I'm not going to swap out names here. Uh, he was a guy. He heard it from you know basically his sources in the league. That's where he heard it from. Yeah, right. Exactly. There were, like I said, there have been coaches who have been not big fans of Cam. Now, of course, there are coaches who coached Cam. There are always coaches who coached against him or recruited him but didn't get him. Who always had these whispers. The whispers whenever the coaches did. You have the stuff with the father where as much as it wasn't hundred percent, you know, there's uh-huh. some shaky stuff there too. There was so. some shaky stuff. Right. And there was a fair amount of smoke. Might have been a little bit of fire. But it seemed there was a bit of a cam auction at one point. And whether or not you know whether or not that's 100%, whether it's 100% true or not, there were enough people that talked about it that people must have believed something about Cam and his dad for it to have, it wasn't like people shot it down, like, no, that can't be true. You know what I mean? There wasn't a movement uh-huh. that really was up. You would have thought, man, he made me into a loser. So, yeah, nobody likes to be, you know, Sort of. Don, Don is not happy right now. I'm just going to just put that out there. Don is displeased right now. <laughs> I don't understand how you lose a Stanford. Although I kind of do, but still. <laughs> uh, I just don't. I'm sorry. How they played with Northwestern, I don't understand mm-hmm. how you possibly. But then again, hey, maybe, like I, like I said last night, they watched that tape of Northwestern, maybe they actually would start executing better, and I, I guess they did. So Yes. 
Well, I will tell you this. I know Kevin Hogan at one point was 15 and 20. I mean, I, I would have, I'm trying to figure out how do you run a defense out so bad that Kevin Hogan's ripping it apart? Exactly. <laughs> how does that or, 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 you know, what I would have called the Kiffers, I would have put on the tape at Ian Park, you know, the uh, <laughs> Stanford himself, and said, this is the guy, this is the guy that, that caused us to lose, seriously, you know, like this. So maybe they had that little talk as well, you know, um, just to fix, you know, like, hey, we got to get this stuff, man. We can't be having Mr. Fred Tamp throwing us. On game day, you know. I don't know. Yeah. As far as Uh-oh. I, oh, what happened? Oh, Texas is. It looks like Texas is. Uh, they just scored and they're kicking an extra point to tie. Mm-hmm. Charlie Strong. Oh, he missed it. He missed it. He missed it. He just finished Charlie Strong's career. <laughs> Charlie Strong, like, no big deal. He just got me fired. It's all. No big deal. <laughs> Did anybody have eyes on Connor Cook? Um <laughs> Okay, so, I mean, I've watched him some this year. I watched him a great amount last year. Do you see progression, growth, change? No. Um, I see see a lot of half-field reads, a lot of just hitting throws to the boundary, almost comical level where he's trying to hit these sort of um, 15 yard intermediate kind of short throws to the left, but doing it over and over and over again. And then when they flip, flip the field, go on the other side, then they do it on the right side. Uh, I'm just not seeing a ton of, uh, I, I just, and also just decision making as well. I'm just not seeing a lot of really just him hitting sort of check downs, going through all of his progressions, hitting check downs. Um, and just kind of going with just where he wants to go. I don't know if that makes sense. But I just wasn't really impressed with – I'm very impressed with the running backs at Michigan State. I think the running backs are really impressive. Um, I know they have the L.J. Scott, the rookie, and then they also had the other guy in particular. They were showing off a lot of stuff. But um, Cook is uh, – I just have lots of issues from a decision-making standpoint and just an accuracy standpoint at all levels of the intermediate field because he can do a really good job just hitting hitting uh, intermediate throws to the boundary, but whenever he tries to throw in the center field, it's way off or it ends up in the hands of, of a defender. So he's kind of a very horizontal-like passer, I guess I would say. Um, in terms of how he views the field and how he kind of sees things. And uh, I'm just not the biggest fan um, of him. But um, 
But I could see how some people might like him a lot, you know, because he does hit those those sideline passes pretty well, but that's about it. So who's been the most impressive quarterback you've seen today? Today? Um, who, who, well, who won today? I, I haven't seen Jared Goff yet. I'm, I'm going to see the, I have it. I have the Texas uh, Cal game tape, but I'm going to watch that. Um, Jacoby Brissett's the only guy I've been really impressed with. So um, Matt Johns as well at Virginia. Um, pretty. Uh, I think he's got a shot, man. I know it might be crazy, but the more I watch Matt Johns, even in the UCLA game, uh, even though they lost that game and you know everything else that went went wrong in that game. Uh, Matt Johns of Virginia, he just kind of shows a leadership quality I really like, and he can throw the football pretty well at all levels of the field. Mm-hmm. So he's he's a guy that I'm just kind of I don't I hope it's not because I just like his raw rawness, but I'm liking what I'm seeing from arm talent standpoint and from just a leadership. Oh standpoint. my God, Ole Miss! Oh, what? You, you, you just, oh, my God. Chad, they, the snap was high. Chad Kelly almost fell down trying to catch it. Threw the ball up in the air. I think it was Treadwell kicked it over to number eight who took it to the house. Oh. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I like, I like Matt John. Um Brissett, I like Brissett just based on his pocket presence. Um, seems to have a good feel. Uh, makes really good decisions from the pocket. And um, I've, the more I've watched, I see a little bit more arm talent from him. I guess there's just some games I – the games I was watching, he was just kind of not really uh, throwing it – you know, I guess they're kind of focused on just kind of throwing it short. That's where they're not really attacking the deep part. He did another – his arm's a little bit above average. It's not a cannon, you know, but it's right. a little bit above Hey, it's not gun or kill level velocity. It's better than that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I – but I, I I really like what I saw from Brissett. Um, the Kaiser guy is good. Malik Zaire was really good uh, before the injury, and obviously he's going to stay another year. I don't know. We'll have to monitor that, but – I was really impressed with his decision-making in terms of his ability to make throws. He's a lefty, which also kind of throws things off against defenses. But uh, I just like his footwork. Uh, his mechanics are excellent. It's just a real shame that he got hurt because he was he's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Goff, the one thing about Goff that – because I, I haven't seen him against Texas, like I said. I saw the San Diego State game is what I saw. Um, and in that particular game, I saw he has no issues with velocity. I don't know where this velocity crap started. Sorry, guys. but I don't either. So, oh, he doesn't have velocity. He, have the, he has that. He's, he's puffing and puffing to get it out far. What, what is this? I, whatever. Because people are comparing him to, like, David Fells and stuff like that. And I saw David Which Fales. Which is just flat out wrong. It's just. Just, I mean, Jared Goff did a throw at Teddy Goff State that David Pell has never been able to do in his whole life. Um, so, I, but what I like about Goff is I, I like the ball placement. 
um, the deep sort of throws. I still think he has a little bit of issues anticipating throws against zone coverage and sort of the intermediate areas of the field. Um, but I don't know if that's just an aspect of that offense or not. I'll have to watch some more. Because, um, you know, they have a lot of five wide receiver sets, four wide receiver sets type stuff. Um, but, you know, I like his arm talent. Um, a lot of stuff I liked when he was a freshman. So, uh, in terms of his arm talent. So, he's a uh, – I just wanted to see him go up against a different sort of team. And, you know, he didn't start all of that San Diego State game. So, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more film. But he's he's really impressed from an arm talent standpoint. Just the offense is a little uh, – you know, the things about Brissett that kind of separate is that Brissett's in a more of a traditional mm. um, offense. Uh, and Goff is in more of a spready kind of, you know, thing. It's kind of the Derek Carr excuse. But uh, <laughs> but, but, but I, I do like Goff. I mean, I don't, I don't hate Goff. I do like him. I, I just wish that uh, some of the passing concepts they did were a little more uh, traditional, I guess. Right. Um, from, uh, um, but, but that's about it. In terms of other quarterbacks, Kessler, I saw, Ke- you know, I've seen Kessler a lot. My biggest issue is just the velocity. I went back and watched Andy Dalton, guys, and Andy Dalton had more velocity than Kessler. So, yeah, I, Kessler, I, Kessler's a guy who has great accuracy on easy throws, but uh, don't, don't ask him to make throws that aren't easy throws. It's like, you know, Yards yeah. From long well, <laughs> anything anything that's past anything past fifteen yard about fifteen to twenty yard range, I just have not been seeing. He's getting it in the area, but boy, do those wide receivers have to make good adjustments. Um, and if it's even deeper than that, I'm seeing a lot of issues in terms of the ball breaking up. Uh, literally, the spiral is breaking up on impact, uh, which is pretty. Mm. Um, but, I mean, in terms of his decision-making, I mean, the things about Kessler I really like, I like his decision-making. I like his, you know, his pocket presence. I like all the little things from him in terms of being a very smart quarterback, making good decisions from the pocket. Can hit some of those zone crossers as well, which I've seen a little bit of, but that's about it. I've not really seen him hit much deep posts um, or deep digs. Uh, with the best, you know, arm talent imaginable. Um, and a lot of times it's incomplete. He's putting the ball in a place where, like, it's incomplete, but still it's kind of nowhere near where it needs to be. Um, so that's the only thing about Kessler is even though he, t- he graded out pretty well um, in terms of everything, um, I just don't know how that's really going to translate the next level, um, With at least with the velocity I saw, which was, Kind of, eh. So, yeah. then there's that, and then the guy underneath him is uh is uh, Joe Stave, <laughs> and uh, from there it gets into like Paxton Lynch and Trevon Boykin. Um, it's where kind of where they party. So, it's uh, you know, those are like guys that I wouldn't, I'd feel okay with taking like day three ish. If I was, you know, and so inclined to do so, Joe Salve though is an excellent candidate as a handsome backup quarterback. 
I know. You got everything. <laughs> everything you want. The handsome backup quarterback. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's he might definitely... have the Seahawks for a third-round pick at one point. Hey, the Raiders might even get him. You know, um, I don't know his story. He has to like have cancer or something, or have like a dog that if something health-wise has to be wrong with him. I don't think there is, but if there's something health-wise wrong with him, the Raiders will definitely take a long, hard look at him. Yeah, I. Okay, things that I have noticed. Um, I talked about my boy Zach Terrell at Western Michigan. He's, you know, he's not a future NFL starter, but he's a guy I think can definitely be a a backup long term. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I saw some things out of Jeff Driscoll today. Oh my God! I mean, this literally is like near the top of sentences I thought would never come out of my mouth. Um, you know, you know, you know, it's gotten bad. When you're starting to say Jeff Driscoll might have a chance. <laughs> I'm I'm as impressed with him as I am with most of these supposed prospects that are being proffered at the quarterback position. What I saw from him was not excellent accuracy, but I saw for the most part the proper decision being made. Um not amazing touch or anticipation, but he's he's always had good arm strength, and that hasn't left him. Um, he seems very good athlete. He's a good athlete. He's less yippy, you know. He seems more settled, but maybe it's because the pressure's off. That's <laughs> losing the attack. I don't know, but Ooh, he seems I'm much more confident. Thank <laughs> God, no more. He seems much more relaxed. His mechanics are smoother. And, like I said, with a couple of exceptions, he seems to find the right guy. Uh, I was a little perplexed by some of the play calling in the uh, final overtime. They opened up with a deep fade, which, you know, didn't bother me too much, but then they just kept throwing bombs away after that. I thought, Okay, the deep fade's nice just in case you get a cheapy and win the game right there because uh, Kansas State had failed uh, to convert the two-point conversion. And so they only needed to you know, get a touchdown and, and get a conversion to win it. So I thought after that they might go to a – because Kansas State was putting a lot of pressure. They might go to a screen or draw, quarterback draw, you know, even something to get – the ball out of his hands quickly to Ken Dixon. But no, they just kept going deep. And a, one or two of those balls were still very accurate. Either the defender was in great position, which was the case on a couple of those balls, and, you know, or like but that, it just seemed like they were going really low percentage passes there. And he's not exactly a tack driver. He's more accurate than I remember being at Florida, but that's the one thing I'll say. He's still not, you know, super, super accurate. Especially on on the you know deep balls requiring some air on the ball and some touch, but his intermediate level accuracy was, was quite impressive. So like I said, I mean this was like a different guy. So that like I said, I'm shocked uh, and amazed <laughs> to a certain extent, but he looks good. Um, Eric Dungy, who is a true freshman, um, 
looked pretty good at Syracuse and then got knocked out of the game on a pretty horrendous looking uh, cheap shot that got the kid that hit him talked, but he was going down already. A guy had hit him in the back of the, the legs, and as he's going down, uh, Stankovitz, I think his name is, or Steinowitz, Steinowitz, uh, came from the other side and blasted it. I mean, just hit him right under the chin with, you know, once again, a, a hit that would have been legal like 40 years ago, maybe, but it was, you know, really a bad-looking hit. And they didn't say he had a concussion. They said he had an upper body injury. Like, what are you, a hockey team? But I'm pretty sure it's a concussion. I mean, or maybe, you know, maybe a busted jaw. But, I mean, it was a tough hit that he took. Uh, but he showed me some things. Uh, he's a mobile kid, good live arm. Not great, but good arm. And a fair amount of accuracy. You know, like I said, I'd like to – hopefully he's not hurt too badly and I'll get to see more of him. So there's some young guys in the pipe that I like. Uh, you know, obviously the seniors aren't amazing for the most part, as people have pointed out many times. But, you know, there's some guys that are going to be in the league for a while. Obviously the running back class is a lot of people excited, Nick Chubb and Fournette. But outside of sort of the – Big names, the Henrys and the Fournettes and the Chubbs. Jim, who are some of the guys, some of the non-usual suspect running backs that caught your attention that you enjoyed today? Um, I mean, Dalvin Cook was pretty impressive, but he's obviously not that eligible. Um, CJ Proceeds, uh, he's kind of growing on me. I don't, he, you know, he was a wide receiver turning into a running back. And you do see a bit of that, but in terms of what he's able to do at the second level with just his ability to follow blocks, vision, decent speed, stuff like that, um, looks pretty legit to a certain extent. Um, as a pass protector, he's not that great uh, as a pass protector, uh, but he has like a – and I don't even know the comparison for him, really. Because there's aspects hmm. of the game that remind me of Tyler Gaffney and Carlos Williams, but he's a much better inside runner than Carlos Williams. Um, so I've heard a lot of, like I was asking a few people, like, who like who's this guy remind you of? And I was kind of going through a Rolodex of different guys, and I'm like, eh. I mean, similar build to Carlos Williams to a certain extent. Not as fast or explosive, but... Uh, I don't know. I just kind of like him. Um, he's, it's weird. Kind of weird. Um, I, I kind of want to watch more. He doesn't really play with the best pad level, which is my big, only big thing. Um, he has deceptive power. It's kind of how I like to call it is that even though he doesn't look like a very powerful back, he is moving his, you know, his legs are churning. He is, you know, getting a uh, second effort for yards. But he's just not doing it in a very, uh, you know, rah-rah, being your chest kind of way as a back. And um, he catches the football, too, a little bit. Not incredible. I haven't, like, seen any intermediate routes or anything like that. But, I mean, in terms of just basic stuff, wheel routes, flat routes, stuff like that, he's able to catch the ball well. All this stuff. So uh, he's a guy I would just want to keep monitoring. Uh, He's a senior, too, this year. So he's 
definitely draft eligible. Um, and uh, some of it is the offensive line. Notre Dame's offensive line is playing really well. But I would say, again, when he gets to second level, uh, he shows really good open field vision, um, just a natural ability to follow, follow the blockers, get, get the right angle, uh, and keep churning for more yards. He's just not exactly, I just don't know. I don't know. He's just, the pad level is just a little concerning for me, I guess, um, in terms of him. Uh, I just want to pad level a little bit, you know, a little bit better. But, um, but yeah, he's interesting. Devontae Booker is interesting as sort of a, I kind of compare him to like Duke Johnson, but faster in a way. Um, but he can, you know, can catch football anywhere in the field, has power, uh, decent speed, um, has kind of everything you want from a from a, a decent bag. So, so he's uh, he's definitely up there for me. Um, Elliot has thus far just kind of shown home run hitting ability than anything else. Uh, whenever he has a game where he he goes like 20 for 50 yards or something like that, I'll want to watch that game. Or whenever he has his worst game, I guess, I want to watch that game just to kind of get a better feel for how he plays when things aren't blocked very well um, for him. Because all I've really been seeing is these big running plays. That um, Same thing like Derrick Henry, too, where he has these big, huge running plays, but then that's about it, you know, um, from, in terms of everything else. Elliott's definitely more uh, explosive, uh, quicker, faster than, than Henry. Um, but I just kind of interested in kind of where that kind of goes. And um, and the Temple back, too. Uh, I forgot his name, but he also is a guy that um, showed a little bit of uh, – uh, showed a little bit of – I wasn't expecting it, but, he you know, he played pretty well against Penn State. Uh, their defensive line – wasn't terrible. So, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting wearing my class. But again, it's not going to be as good as last year, just in terms of pure depth, because I still think last year's class had about six to seven starters to better than that, uh, just guys who might be special players. Uh, this class might only have, like, one or maybe none, but um, I do think that there's a decent little bit. It's all the sophomores, man, that really taking the show. Nick Chubb, uh, you know, those, those guys are, especially Nick Chubb, that's the only guy I really mentioned, are the guys that I'm, like, really excited about. Dalvin Cook, too. Um, it's mostly sophomore class. It's really Leonard Fournette. All those guys are uh, just kind of a notch above all the guys that are kind of draft eligible. Same question to you, Steve. Who are some of the, the backs that people, maybe everybody isn't already talking about, that caught your attention? I mean, you know, the the sophomore class is the running back position. I mean, you Cook and Fournette and Chubb and uh, Jalen Hurd, and that's going to be, you know, at the top end, that is a really, really good running back. Those are game-changing running backs. the you know Devontae Booker's the thing is with this class is there's going to be a quite a if you want to running running back 
that can catch the ball out of the backfield, you can, I mean, there's going to be like Foster and Kenyon Drake at Alabama, uh, who I think is going to be a really good pro. Uh, no one in Alabama right now is all that impressive. But I think Drake's going to be a really good pro as far as especially catching the ball and got some size with that. Uh, Devontae Booker's a really naturally good receiver of the, of the ball. Uh, so, I mean, the, that, those are the guys that are really going to, I mean, those are, to me, the guys. The two running backs at, at Penn State are both really good. Barkley yep. and Lynch, I don't know which uh, what class they're in, but they are both really good. Uh, I think one of them is a sophomore, <laughs> and the other might be a junior. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, like I said, both those – both of those guys are picking up offense, are, are picking up uh, yards on, I mean, what I read through Twitter tells me it's the worst offensive line ever assembled. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, uh, uh, the the guy at Baylor is good. Uh, God, I forgot his oh, name. Shock Linwood. Well, they've got a couple of running backs, but yeah. Shock Linwood <laughs> is quick, and he's got pop. He's not the biggest cat in the world, but he's not easy to bring down. He's not one of those guys that you can blow on and he goes down. And uh, your guy Pumphrey is a is a is a good is a fun player. I don't know how he fits in the NFL. Uh, I don't know. Is but then again, I mean, he's no smaller than uh, Dexter McCluster. So no, 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 and he's. He's almost the same size. And he's Warwick a better Scott. football player than Dexter McCluster. So. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's more like Warwick Scott. So, I mean, you know, uh, Dex has a role in the – it seems to be able to find a role in the league. So, uh, I, I, you know, I could – he's a, he's a I mean, fun player to watch. He, he may be 170 pounds, but he, he's not afraid to, to, run, to run it up inside or – uh, of course, he's very quick, and he knows how to you know he knows how to use what he has. Uh, he's not afraid of anything. He's, he's he will stick his face in his head, and even in blitz pickup, you know, he's not a guy that demures or you know, as you like to say, business decisions. No, I've seen him, you know, step <laughs> up and stone dudes. He's outweighing my fifty, sixty pounds. No, I mean, yeah, he's a good, he's a really good player. I mean, you know, I mean, Zeke Elliott is. I think Zeke Elliott is a is a level above any of the other running uh, the running backs that are going to be eligible to be drafted this year. Uh, hey, he is really the only offense Ohio State had today. So, uh, and uh, he's a surprisingly good blocker. Though, so, I mean, I I think we may see him block more often than we should. Uh, and uh, so those are the guys. Oh, and Christian McCaffrey finally got the football today. They handed it yes. to him 24 times, and yep. uh, he got he converted those into 112 yards. And it was, uh, believe it or not, I was reading through the Go Stanford notes. It was the first time in 17 games that Stanford had a 100-yard rusher. Yep. Yep. I mean, just they basically had gone over a year. I mean, that was. That doesn't sound like a Harbaugh uh, for this year. 
But, uh, you know, so he's a, McCaffrey's a really, really, really good athlete. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a guy who, I mean, he, he's a guy who's gotten, if you, if you, if you want to study, I mean, you know, getting good genes, he's a guy who's got athletic genes on both sides, from his yep. dad and from his mom. So he's a really, really good athlete. So that's a, yeah, another guy we mentioned would be Stan, would be Christian McCaffrey. Uh, oh, and uh, USC had a couple of backs, and I couldn't tell you their names. I was just watching the game, and I had it on silent uh, while we've been talking. But I think one of them is my guys like Trey Madden really was really, really was disposed with. And then the last one I would mention would be just one of the guys that Jim mentioned was ProSize. And a lot of it, I think, Sometimes, and you hate to say an injury is lucky, but sometimes you get a, a lucky injury in that Folsom's injury kind of forced Brian Kelly to quit getting cute with, with pro side and just put him in the backfield and give him the ball uh, because he didn't, even have, he didn't really have any other choice. And uh, pro side is a wide receiver. guy was a wide receiver in high school who came to Notre Dame. They made him a running back, made him a wide receiver, made him an offensive weapon. Then when when uh, when uh, didn't go mama. Go with her, mama. Go with her. Sorry, dear. No problem. Uh, we we had we had a little doggy thing. Ah, uh, uh, gotcha. So ProSize, I mean, he's a guy that you know. Then they put him at running back. He runs really hard for a guy that was a wide receiver, and but he's up. He runs upright. You see the where, you know, not the natural lean that you would see in a receiver. And then, you know, Oklahoma's got a really couple of really good running backs in Nixon and, and, and Eli, but we can do that. So I, we got a little taste of those guys last week against Tennessee. And uh, uh, before Baker Mayfield started looking like the, the great Baker Mayfield. So those are really, that's really the only ones I've really that caught my eye. So far. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a guy and of course hmm. there's not a lot of great tape on him because he goes to Campbell, the fighting camels of Campbell uh college in the uh SAC. I found him while checking out Greg Milhouse, who I've had on my show, who I liked. And so I was, you know, checking out Greg Milhouse and oh, you know, who's this running back? <laughs> and uh Deshaun Jones is a guy that has a little Orleans Darkwa, you know, so people know how much I loved Orleans Darkwa, so he's a guy that's fairly similar to him. And so I started watching more and more of him. It's like, huh, huh. Now, obviously, there's the whole, you know, level of competition, blah, 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 but the guy is really impressive. The more I watch him, the more I like. And I want to see them, obviously, if when they face, you know, a, a step-up game. So I've got to see if they, you know, see who they face, if they face a, a team with a really good defense. But thus far, he's been tearing it up. 
and I definitely will be watching him next year. Uh, you know, he's a junior this year, so I'll be fascinated to see you know what he can continue to do. But he's got you know, not blazing speed, but he's got enough speed, moves, vision, some power, and uh, just good natural running back skills. I remember when I was talking to uh, maybe you guys, or it might have been Donovan or Montel, somebody. And I was talking about that little running back that Northwestern has. Had such a good game against Stanford. And I was thinking of Lydell Mitchell. And Lydell Mitchell was a guy that wasn't the biggest, wasn't the fastest, but just just knew how to run. I mean, he knew how to be a running back. I can give way to put it, and that he understood playing position at an extremely high level. And it's difficult to explain the little things, but sometimes we get into it with wide receivers. And, you know, with Pete Smith would hear, definitely he'd have some things to say about that. But there are guys who understand playing the position, even if they aren't super amazing athletes, that allows them to be you know, good and, and stay good for a long time, even if they don't have, you know, freakish athletic numbers. Um, a few other guys, but yeah, so that's sort of a small school guy, and obviously I sort of look out for those guys, but he's, he's a really good, legitimate, good <laughs> prospect. Uh, and one other guy I'll mention sort of amongst the, the small school guys, uh, that I, I just thought was just sort of super impressive or very impressive and just a sophomore, a kid named Darius Hammond at Charleston Southern. He's he's the goods. And you know what the heck? I love Tremaine Pope. Now, some people saw Tremaine, uh, Tremaine Pope because of the game against uh, Auburn. He was the guy that Auburn seemed not to be able to tackle. So hopefully, uh, you know, maybe some scouts who were there to check out some Auburn kids also noticed how good uh, Tremaine Pope is. That's a guy that I had on my... Um, third team all underappreciated. I may have to move him up. Um, he looked pretty darn good against Auburn. Now, some of that's, you know, some of that's Auburn and their issues on defense, but some of that's, you know, Troy Man Pope. I mean, that guy has some, has some talent. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm hoping that he gets invited to, you know, the right all-star game and that kind of thing. That's, that's huge for guys like him. Um, it's It's so important when you are you know, a guy that most people aren't even terribly aware of. But he's reminds me of Adrian Peterson, not the Adrian Peterson that, uh, you know, <laughs> that everybody's familiar with, but uh, the other Adrian, Adrian Peterson. That always messes up when I'm trying to go through historical running backs, and I go, man, why do you mess this up, Adrian Peterson? That, that Georgia Southern Adrian Peterson? Yes, it reminds me of Georgia Southern Peterson, exactly. Right. I know it's confusing uh, sometimes, but yes, he runs with that Adrian Peterson. He's, you know, about, he's about 5'9", and probably about 208 pounds, and probably Wait. a low low to mid 4'6", guy, but quick and with some power. Much like the, the other Adrian Peterson. Yeah, Chicago, and the running joke was, name's Adrian Peterson, but he ain't Adrian Peterson. Yeah, yeah. So that's, like I said, I'm sure that 
he, he felt that. Uh, but he got it first. He's the older. He's the older guy. So you know he's he's been Adrian Peterson longer than the other Adrian Petersons. Adrian Peterson. But uh, the other guys, I wanted to make sure that I I mentioned. Uh, we talked a little bit about Ray Lowry and Jihad Thomas. Jihad Thomas and Ray Lowry are really good running backs, and I think people are waking up to them. And though Pitts lost John Connor, they didn't exactly, you know, I mean, it's not a huge drop-off. I mean, Quadre Austin is balling, kids. You know, if you haven't checked him out, he's worth checking out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he looks when they face a, a slightly better level competition, but he's he's getting it done so far. And so, like I said, you know, obviously when they face, you know, the top level of competition, you know, a little later in the season, we'll want to see, you know, if he's putting up the same kind of numbers. But thus far, he's been super productive, and he's flashed some, uh, you know, some of the things you like to see in a running back. He's pretty sudden. Um, He's a guy that, Played a couple of different positions in high school. Uh, showed me some, you know, pull away. I don't know what, what his time speed is, but I saw him run away from some people. You know, I can tell you that much. I saw people not gain on him once he broke into the open field. And he's another big back. I mean, they like him big. You know, he's about six one and a half, about 232 pounds. You know, he's not quite Connor, but he's he's got size. You know, so we'll be interested to see how he continues to perform. Uh, he did not have a great game against Iowa, you know, so that may be sort of a, a sign of things to come. But he also didn't get that many attempts against Iowa. I don't know why he only got four attempts. That's a little strange. Um, that, I'll have to try to figure out what that was about. But... You know, he's he's a productive back and once again, you know, like I said, like they like him big. He's one of those another one of the big backs uh, that they like, obviously. Um, so that's a guy I think is definitely worth checking out if you haven't already done so. Uh we talked about Jordan Howard and you know, Ken, Kenneth Dixon did not have a great game for Louisiana Tech. Uh that game was, you know, like I said, ironically enough, put on the arm of uh of Jeff Driscoll. Um, but a few other guys I think are worth mentioning. Um, I don't, I hope this is not the son of Ahmad Bradshaw because I'm going to feel a thousand years old if it is. But uh, at Army, they have a running back named Ahmad Bradshaw uh, who, or, well, he's a quarterback, I guess. But, I mean, if you're evaluating him, you know, in terms of chance to play at the next level. You're probably seeing him as a running back, I guess, is what I would point out. But he's he's an interesting prospect and they uh you know they, they had a narrow loss to Army. Uh he threw the ball a few times. Um you know, a couple times. But you know, like I said, he's clearly more of a running threat if you if you've ever seen him operate uh, the triple option up there at the on the Hudson. 
And uh, he's a local kid. I mean, very local, as in very close to the neighborhood where uh, where I live now. But, uh, you know, a guy that probably about five ten and change and 190-something, I'm guessing. But, like I said, a guy that maybe projects the running back, maybe projects the wide receiver at the next level. But first, he's going to be a field artillery officer. Um, so, you know, obviously that cuts into his chances at the next level. But yep, interesting guy. Uh, Royce Freeman, obviously, is a guy that a lot of people are excited about. I think he's good. Um, here's a guy that I don't see people talking a great deal about. is Tyler Irvin at San Jose State. Another guy on my all-underappreciated uh, watch list. Now, you know, clearly when people talk about... Um, San Jose State, they usually think passing. They don't usually think about running, but they, like I said, he's a good running back. And they're a little more balanced, uh, you know, up there than they maybe have been in years in the past. He's a versatile guy. Uh, he, you can line him up at receiver if you want to. And I think he's going to play at the next level. I, I Once again, the guy I spotted while I was looking at some wide receivers last year at San Jose State, though they have a, you know, hey, they got a running back. And he's gotten off to a pretty good start this year. That's a guy that would urge, you know, amongst, you know, not amongst the usual suspect running backs, that would urge those to uh, to check out a little off the beaten path, which is sort of funny because it's not like San Jose State's a tiny program, but their guys, for some reason, seem to have to fight to get noticed. Uh, talked about Elijah McGuire previously. Oh, here we go. Tell people about Marquise Waller, Jim. I'm sure you uh, have a good amount of familiarity with him. Stiff, one speed, a little bit of power. Um, when he gets going downhill, he can take some fools with him, but that's about it. Well, yeah. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> that that does does. Just, but he's been productive despite, you know, all of that. He's productive. Made. I mean, yeah. I mean, lots of guys in Fresno State have been productive, but um, I mean, in terms of what he is as an NFL prospect, still oh, yeah. one speed. Um, right. it takes some guys with him as he's going downhill, but that's right. about it. That's all there is to see. When it comes to, to him, <laughs> not going to show you anything going to make you give up your career, or whatever it is, and you know, join the cult of what and what and that is not going to happen. <laughs> and um, I'll mention two two more guys: uh, Devon Johnson, of course, a former tight end uh, who's moved to running back at Marshall, and uh, I'll throw out a name. He's not quite as tall as this guy, but he's got a similar skill set. Chuck Muncie. Uh, another big back with thought. Or, or even, or even, or even, um, uh, even Keith Byers a little bit. A little bit of Keith Byers. Um, I'll get Devon Johnson. He's a guy that, like I said, a big body, but good feet. Very good hands. Catches the ball extremely well. But, you know, former tight end. 
Uh, he can block a little bit, though he's not a great blocker. That's a guy I'd urge people to check out if they haven't already done so. I think he's, you know, he's got some skills. And I'll also mention uh, DeAndre Washington. Now, Texas Tech is not exactly, you know, a running team. Nope. Oh. <laughs> a lot of good stuff happens when they let DeAndre Washington carry the football. You know, I wish they'd let him carry it a little bit more. Decisive running back. Uh, he accelerates quickly. Uh, makes good use of his stiff arm. Has a little bit of power. You know, I think he could play at the next level. And obviously for a guy like him, his ability to catch the ball, things like that, I think that I think will help him as well. But he's a really good all-around running back. So that's the guy I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with him. Uh, what about tight ends? Jim, any tight ends catch your eye? Um, not really. Uh, I mean, Hunter Henry, impressive. Jeremy Sprinkle, also at Arkansas. He doesn't get it. He doesn't. He's had a lot of opportunities, but the ball just didn't really get there as well. But uh, he looks pretty impressive from some of the stuff I've seen. Um, O.J. Howard, of course, O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram. Um, Stephen Chu still shows off pretty good, you know, still does really well in terms of being that sort of intermediate attacking kind of tight end as well. He's about the only thing at Vanderbilt that's actually pretty good. Um, Jake Butt is could be the next Kyle Rudolph, maybe. You know. Um, <laughs> I don't, that's not it, really. Uh, I haven't really got into too many tight ends, but uh, from the ones I saw um, and kind of looked at a little bit, not a lot of them have been really utilizing the pack game as much. And the ones that have are kind of like, I already saw similar stuff from them coming into the season, and they haven't really done anything extra with them, so. Yeah, well, the Crump kid really impressed me, but he's just a redshirt freshman, so, you know, he's not eligible, but he blocks well, catches the ball well, he's good after the catch. They seem to have a little something going with the tight end position at Cincinnati because he's got a similar skill set to Kelsey. I don't know if he's... I get the sense he's not quite as fast. Not quite as fast in a straight line, but he showed some nope. He showed some ability. Okay. Wide receivers. Who are some of the guys that showed you something today? Uh well, wait before I do that. Sorry. Steve. 
any tight end catch your eye. Uh, I mean, uh, really, now how I many years coming in the year you would have said Ingram, but he came in. The, I mean, he's a guy who came in the year with uh, you know fifty nine, sixty catches in his career. I think he had like one catch coming into today. No, Austin Hooper is a guy that uh, has some some uh, hype. He had a good day today. Uh, catch you with a, he got you know touchdown about eighty yards today. Uh, Blankton says just nobody uses tight ends. O.J. Howard's got a lot of talent, sure. You never see them throwing the ball. So, I mean, it's like Jim said, not a whole lot of teams are using the tight end a lot. I mean, and uh, there's not even a good overrated Notre Dame tight end this year. So, I mean, normally you can count on Notre Dame to give you a good, nice tight end to overrate, but they don't even have a good overrated tight end. So I know they did try a uh, to, to I think uh, the freshman kid they tried a, a fade to him today, but you know that's all I saw of, of tight ends today. <laughs> hmm. uh, okay, now I'll ask you about wide receivers, and then I'll ask Jim. Um, how about wide receivers? Any guys catch your eye this week? Uh, Will Fuller, wow! I mean, they Notre Dame threw a couple of uh, of really it was really screen passes to him, and his ability to accelerate once he has the ball is just I mean it's just jaw dropping when you see it. I mean he just just explodes through the defense. He's not as strong as the guy I'm going to mention, but uh, just similar type of the way who you see Julio Jones just to, you know, explode through the middle of the defense once he has the ball. That was what, I mean, Wolf Fuller was doing today. And, of course, Juju Smith, I mean, he's a really, really, really impressive player. Uh, You know, just the ability to make big plays for you. (laughs) So, so, I mean, and, I mean, Treadwell, I mean, the thing with Treadwell, and this is the thing for me is, I mean, to me, it's just, it, you know, he's not really an explosive. He's a guy who's a very good technical receiver. Uh, but he just doesn't look like an explosive receiver to me. I mean, maybe I'm missing it, but he doesn't look like a guy who just I mean, explodes by a piece of I mean, um, yeah, you just, he just, I mean, he, he, he's got, got good size, and technically he's a very good route runner. So the the people to the so great route running Twitter will love Laquan Treadwell because he'll show them the whole tree, and they'll love him for it. But I just really don't see a guy who's a dominant athlete, and maybe it's because he's been hurt and he's trying to get over that. But yeah, I don't see that. I don't see a guy like you see with Will Fuller just. Right. right. <laughs> Fuller is the guy that has a chance to be this year's Amari Cooper. I mean, not that mm-hmm. I think he's quite Amari Cooper, but probably as close as mm-hmm. this. Everything's about eight percent less this year than, than last. So he's like eight percent less. He's not mm-hmm. cable Amari Cooper. He's like, uh, you know, it's Direct TV, but like the basic package. You don't get everything. <laughs> But he's the cable version of Amari Cooper, is what you're saying. 
Well, he's a little better than that. He's better than the cable version. He's still direct TV, but he's the basic package. You don't get all the channels. Like you, you don't get the stars. You, yeah, you didn't buy the uh, you didn't buy uh, you didn't buy the the NFL package, so you don't get all the games. No, you will get everything. No, it's not one of those. He's not that. <laughs> but he, he's good. And Lord, when he gets the ball in his hands, like I said, mm-hmm. I mean, he he just he just turned. I mean, it, it was like those. It was like I mean to to watch it. It was like the Georgia Tech defenders were just standing still, and you know they were just helpless. And it, he, he, he just exploded through the defense. So he's a guy that really impressed me today, and. Uh, and the thing, the thing is, is uh, again, you, you have a lot of guys who are physically impressive. A guy like Marquez North is a guy who's a very physically impressive wide receiver. But the production is not even kind of it. It's kind of ooh. So, <laughs> I mean, so you, you have to kind of figure out why that is. And uh, another guy that impressed me in versus Tennessee was, uh, was, was Shepard. He was he was open the whole game. I mean, so he just was able to get open. He was the reason Baker Mayfield was so fun to watch was because he was getting open on every play. So, <laughs> in fact, I want to look at what his numbers were today because I bet they were pretty good. <laughs> so, let's see. So, yeah, he was the reason that Baker Mayfield was so fun to watch. At least against Tennessee. Yeah. 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 Right. Let me just see if there's... Well, okay. Obviously, I'm a big Juju Smith fan. That's not news to anybody. Um, he's, he's, He's just 19 or 19... Maybe twenty. He's a kid. They got some, you know, young studs up there. And obviously, you know, I know what you say about eight and five Stark, but even eight and five Stark might not be able to avoid winning ten or so games next year with <laughs> with all that talent that he should have coming to fruition next year. Uh, but uh, you know, it'll be uh, a challenge. And Shepard and Shepard threw up one hundred and forty-four today. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm sorry. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster, I guess, is who he is now. I guess, remind myself. AKA but, Juju Smith. <laughs> yeah, uh, but nonetheless, uh, that's a guy I'm, I'm really interested in watching develop because you know physically he's pretty much there. Goodness. So if he continues to develop deception, you know, making better use of his stem and, you know, getting guys to be wrong, you know, getting the defenders to, to misread what his intentions are and things like that, he's he's going to be something a little, a little special if he continues to develop. Um, Corey Coleman is, you know... <laughs> His, his numbers are stupid. They look wrong. You know, he like he's one of the nation's 
leading receivers, but he has 11 receptions. <laughs> His numbers are comical. Uh, it just doesn't seem right. Like, how could a guy be in the top? He's in the top couple. Like, where is he in the nation? I know he's high. He's pretty high. Um, <laughs> And I yeah. think he's in the top 10, maybe, he's in the nation. Exactly. No, he's the top receiving guy in the nation. So. Okay, okay, with 11 receptions. Yards, at least raw yards, he is, yeah. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, welcome, welcome to Baylor. <laughs> you can you can leave three games from the season. You have 11 catches to lead the nation. <laughs> oh, that's just silly. That's just nuts. And, uh... You know, his, like I said, he's 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 a mess. He's hard for people to deal with. Uh, Joe Mixon is a running guy, you know, ostensibly. Right. But, but my gosh, that kid can catch the ball. It's he he has a chance to be what people thought McKnight was going to be. That space player running back in lineup in the slot or out wide or whatever. He could be an NFL wide receiver. So we should see what happens with him going forward. Uh, let's see. Oh, David Glidden is a guy that people, to me, don't talk nearly enough about. You were mentioning how they got some dudes in Oklahoma State. He's one of the dudes they have an Oklahoma State, Steve, and I like him. I am mm-hmm. a David Gooden fan. And I don't think, like I said, he gets enough attention, discussion, uh, credit, uh, whatever term you want to use. He's got really good hands. He knows how to get open. And I'm not going to say sneaky athletic because, well, you know, everyone says that about white wide receivers. Uh, he may not have elite straight line speed, but he's a legitimately good athlete. You know, I won't be shocked if he puts up better than expected numbers in the 40 and really good numbers in, you know, like things like the, the shuttle and three times. So I, that's a guy I, I, looking for big things from him this year, especially in that offense, which is a pretty good offense, you know, pretty pretty effective offense. Um, let's see. Oh, one of my favorite tight ends. You're talking about tight ends. I talked to him. Did I mention Ben McCord previously? I spotted him last year during the – was it the Bahamas Bowl or whatever against uh, Memphis? And I was like, huh. I like this guy. He reminds me a lot of uh, that, you know, he has some of the same qualities that Bibbs kid had at, at uh, Iowa State, or sort of like a poor man's Algie Crumpler. Not super tall, a little shorter than the usual, you know, tight end, but he's an enough blocker. He didn't ask him to do a lot as a blocker, but he, you know, holds his own, and that's all people want. 
nowadays it seems, but he really knows how to work open, and he's got good hands. I like Ben McCord. I am a Ben McCord fan. That's tight ends. You know, those are guys that I like. Uh, I'm forgetting. Probably. Oh. Oh, well, the, the guys at Tulsa, before I forget. Uh, the big kid, Garrett, uh, Garrett obviously, is sort of their Martavis Bryant type. And then they, of course, have Keon Lucas, who is their, you know, the dude. Uh, and Cody Core at uh, Ole Miss. Now, Steve, what do you think a guy like Cody Core can be at the next level? To be honest, I mean, I don't really see Cody Core as a next level player, but okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, you so, might be right. I mean, he's, he's he might be a guy that just ends up being a pretty good collegiate. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way I see him as a guy who's a a good collegiate player. Uh, that, you know, I, I mean, you know, there are those guys out there. They're good college players. They're just not, you know, NFL players. Sure. I kind of think he's one. Most. That's most guys. That's, that's most, <laughs> most guys. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, he's better, you know, he's had a better life than most football players, so. He's a, he, he's a guy that he get, he gets he you know he's a guy that's been productive as a you know at Ole Miss you know this year definitely uh, he's just you know he's just not he's not a great athlete I think he's not great at any you know thing he's not you know he's not an explosive player that you know the the NFL, you know, coaches say, yeah, this is the guy I want. But, but again, I mean, like I said, he's a guy that, you know, catches the ball and does the things that he's where he's supposed to be and all of those things that, you know, coaches do like. So. Okay. That, like, right there, he just made a – they needed a, uh, you know, they basically needed that one. The Alabama's coming back on them, and he's the guy they went to. So, right. Well, same question for you, Joe. Uh, what do you think the future may hold for a guy like? I mean, he's not, you know, string field, and he's not, you know, tread well. But what could the future hold for a guy like Core? Oh my God! Oh, oh my God! Oh, perhaps. Cody Ford just, just finished Alabama Hall. There's a flag. Oh, they're going to bring it back. Oh. Um, I actually like Cody Core because uh, everything he did to Fresno State. And sure, Fresno State is Fresno State. Uh, he's doing stuff against Alabama. Um, Ole Miss is kind of where wide receivers go to die. They have one good season, and then they just share the next. Uh, just ask Dante Hunt. 
Keith uh, Treadwell. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what's happening this year with Cody Core emerging. But um, no, I like Cody Core. Um, the one thing I was really impressed with the Fresno State game was he had incredible body control um, and just awareness of the sideline, getting his feet in within the hashes, and none of this one feet type stuff. You know what I'm talking about, Bill? All these college level. Ooh, ooh, yeah. I don't. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna give him a touchdown here. Because his foot's definitely behind the line of scrimmage. And the NFL in college is just any part of the body. Right. I'm talking about against Fresno State, he had a really incredible catch where he got both his feet down. Yeah. That's um, really good body control. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he has really good body control. Um, I think as uh, – um, I don't know what he's going to test as an athlete. I try not to think about that stuff anymore until they test. So, but um, I think overall, I think he has a good shot. Uh, I think he's emerging this year as Ole Miss's best wide receiver. So, hey, you know, Ole Miss is a program that tends to turn those guys out. So I think he, uh, I don't, I think from a technical standpoint, he'll probably need to improve things and. I I haven't seen him against Alabama. Obviously, I'm not watching that game right now. Um, but uh, I I will, and I do think he has a, definitely has a shot to uh, emerge um, and uh, become really good. And then next year, Stringfellow will emerge, and then Cody Corr will disappear. So that's <laughs> well, 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 Cody Cody Corr is a senior, so he's disappearing either way. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's about Miss, man. It, 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 Appeared to uh Treadwell, I think, towards ATL, so obviously he's not as explosive as he used to be. So, um, but hey, you know, um, uh, the call on the field is overturned. Touchdown, Ole Miss. There you go. Dagger. <laughs> my man Cody Core with the dagger. <laughs> oh my God, there are legit tears in that Alabama. I think mean, they're showing people with tears, Bill. Oh yes. Well, it's clear. It's clear now. It's not a fluke. It's not a mistake. It's not getting it lucky. Ole Miss is the better team, and they'll probably beat them again next year. Saban's gonna get on the bus, and he's gonna be like, "Which one of you will be sacrificed?" <laughs> Jacob Coker, come here. No, no, coach, no, please, no. <laughs> uh, but you yeah. must never lose on a saving team. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough ride home. I can tell you that much. It's not going to be easy. Almost beat them last year. Is this really that mm-hmm. surprising, guys? Really? Well, for Alabama fans, it sure as heck is. Each you guys last year. You know, I remember I was the lone ranger on the draft passing podcast who was putting it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Ole Miss was going to win. Ole Miss put 73 on us and Fresno State. And (laughs) Fresno State is a bad football team, so I didn't really know what to think. But, yeah, fine. Fine, Steve. (laughs) Laugh it up. Enjoy. You 
Okay, that was probably the worst two-point conversion <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, any other guys? Oh, defense, right. We should talk defense. Um, Steve, what defensive players acquitted themselves? Actually, I'm just at least just throw a few linemen in there. Offensive linemen never get any love. Offensive linemen, uh, who are some guys that made an impression on you? Uh, a lot of people I mean, talk about Jack Conklin today. I mean, uh, Ronnie Stanley, once again, I mean, he's, he's, right. very, he's very consistent. Uh, Jim and I have talked about Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley's a very good pass blocker. Ronnie Stanley's a good run blocker. He's just not the type of guy that, uh, if you like to have your offensive linemen to, you know, to be just killers and, you know, just want to bury people, that's really not Ronnie Stanley. But Ronnie Stanley gets out in the space easily. He's a very good pass blocker. Uh, you can you'll put him on the left side, and you don't have to worry about your quarterback taking a bunch of hits. Uh, you know he'll he'll take care of his business. Uh, he's a guy that I, I think is impressive. Of course, we haven't gotten to see Tunsil this year, so that's you know as you know as I, I've said before, that's a situation that's dragged on longer than the than the Hundred Years' War or the War of the Roses. I mean, just just a ridiculous amount of time just to make a decision is. Yeah, on his on his status, I don't understand what's going on with that. Uh, I know people talk about Conklin, but Conklin really has problems with good defensive ends. So you know, I just I I don't want I want to see more of Conklin actually playing well and not playing well versus Air Force. So you know, basically better against better competition. Uh, not a whole lot of really. The thing, the thing about the thing about offensive tackles is there is a large, there's a large scarcity of good offensive tackles right now, and it's almost I don't say it's as bad as the quarterback scarcity, but it's close. So, so uh, this I mean, there's not a lot of really, you know, tackles that are jumping out at, at me right now. But, uh, like, if I had to pick the, the guy I thought was the, the best NFL prospect is Stanley. I know a lot of people are high on Cam Robinson, but every time I watch Cam Robinson, he's getting beat. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> and you, I mean, you don't, you don't, Steve, you don't like that? No, I mean, I just, I mean, oh, you know, I, if, you, if you want to send me a guy with a generational talent, I mean, I, I don't want to see, you know, defensive end coming or, you know, a guy giving up a whole lot of hits on the quarterback. Uh, oh, you want to tell me a guy's Steve, a generational Steve, pass. Wait a minute, Steve. Steve, <laughs> have you not seen Cam Robinson drive that 230-pound linebacker 15 yards downfield? You didn't see that? That amazing play? Oh. oh, okay. Well, yeah. Oh, and a couple of guys that will mention, I love the LSU offensive tackle. The, the the two the both the two guys that they have uh, Hawkins who's the left tackle who's a really good athlete and then Alexander who I think is probably a guard in the NFL but a really good one I mean it's a guy that you know and he gets the guy I mean like I like I told you guys he got Kim Dickey in the phone booth 
uh, last year, and he wore him out. He put him on the ground. He turned him to the left. He drove him off the line. I mean, he just did everything you'd want a guard to do to a defensive tackle. So the, those, are, those are the two guys I did want to mention were, were the two LSU offensive tackles. Uh, LSU seems to be the place where they just can find offensive tackles. So <laughs> they, did, they, do, they seem to do a really good job of recruiting and coaching offensive linemen at LSU. So, so those are really the only ones still. I mean, it's just, like I said, there's not a lot of great offensive linemen out there. Same question to you. Uh, any uh, offensive linemen grab your uh, your attention, Jim? I think there's a decent bit. Um, I want to see how they test uh, first, of course. But, I mean, Ronnie Stanley, I think uh, somebody said it's a brick shot Ferguson. Um, and it started to make sense a little bit They he said that. But, yeah, just a guy that uh, really good at, Anchoring down, using his uh, his height advantage, and um, and really good hips and uh, and quickness. Not the most explosive guy, but has decent quickness um, with his and flexibility with his hips and his uh, and his feet. Um, but he's good. Uh, Taylor Decker shown a little bit of stuff as well. Um, he still has issues in pass pro uh, when it comes to people beating him with counter moves and just inside moves, cross face. Uh, but he's, uh, but, but he has decent overall height and stuff like that. Um, but I just want to see how he kind of tests. But he's a guy that has at least been, you know, solid. Um, hasn't been spectacular, but it's been solid. Uh, Oregon's tackle, Tyler Johnstone, I believe it is. Um, he's another guy that uh powerful uh, not coming off an ACL injury from last year, I believe, or something. Yeah, last year. Uh, but he's uh, wasn't he wasn't he the guy that got hooked that got hurt that forced them to put Fisher at left tackle? Or was yeah, that thinking someone else? Yeah. Taylor was in Tyler. Um, what was his name? Yeah. Tyler Johnstone. Yeah, that was the guy that got hurt. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the guy in particular. No, I mean he's. I don't know what his best position is. He's slow, but he at least, I think, as a right tackle, maybe. I mean, there's stuff that's there. Um, I think in terms of his ability, he plays good technique, um, uses his hands well, uh, and for the most part, I haven't seen him go up against, like, speedy, speedy rushers, but when he does go up against them, he's able to run the arc pretty well. So I just kind of want to see what happens with him. Um, Jason Spriggs, of course, is probably the guy with the highest upside in this draft class overall. Um, it's basically the type of guy where, in terms of pass protection, he's still a little rough around the edge in terms of technique. But the more I look at him, the more the the things that people don't like about Jason Spriggs are some of the same things people didn't like about Taylor the one. And Taylor the one ended up being pretty good. Uh, at least so far. Mm-hmm. So I think Spriggs is honestly one of the most slept-on guys right now. Um, he's, he's tall. Uh, he's, he's powerful. 
in terms of the technical side of things as a pass, pass protector, he has some things he needs to clean up just in terms of using his, keeping his hands inside, um, anticipating pass rushers at times, and dealing with shorter uh, pass rushers as well, uh, which is what a lot of guys have issues with. See Andre Monroe. Uh, versus Sherman, but I think that, that uh, in terms of dealing with other guys, he does well, and he's also a really good run blocker, um, and he's probably the fastest guy, at least tackle-wise, that can get to the second level out of every single offensive tackle in the draft class. When mm-hmm. he's going downhill in, in, you know, in terms of locking on defenders, it's kind of even better than Kevin Pamphile at times. So, uh, uh, and I know Kevin Pamphon is like, oh, he's that guy. But still, I mean, I, I just think in terms of just pure um, NFL is not going to like him, but could end up being like a Jake Fisher-like guy. Uh, that That's that Chase Spriggs. Other sort of tackles I've seen. I saw Hopkins, and I wasn't really impressed just with his intensity, I guess. And he also was getting beat uh, pretty well with guys that were fast and explosive off the edge. Um, he's kind of, He looked a lot like Lyle Collins, but without the aggressive berserker rage in terms of stuff. Because you overlook <laughs> Lyle Collins kind of fumbling a bit in pass protection because of the berserker rage. With Hawkins, no berserker rage, still some fumbling a little bit. Um, but, I, but in terms of what he does, I mean, you know, He's a decent. Uh, I don't think he's six foot six though. I know he's listed at six foot six. He doesn't look like that. He's small at six foot five. Might be better off as a guard. He is somebody that uh, I saw a decent, a, a little bit of. He just had issues in terms of dealing with edge guys, certain edge guys. Um, and plus, LSU runs the football all the time anyway, so it kind of masks <laughs> a lot. They have pass protection, but um, he's out of there. Conklin, as I've said many times. Conklin is, is like offensive tackle who just spread grease across his chest, and that's how he plays. Um, defenders kind of just kind of slide off his chest and kind of get around him pretty easily, and he's not very strong. Um, he's not very fast. Uh, he's not very quick. He's from a technical aspect, he doesn't really do – he's not really a great technician. A lot of people say he's a really great technician. I don't necessarily agree with that. His footwork is kind of a little sloppy. Um, kind of just – kind of just kind of goes – I don't know. Um, he, he's just not a guy who does really good feet and really good footwork, too. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do with Jake Conklin. I know a lot of people are super-duper high on Jake Conklin, but I don't really get it. <laughs> um, but he is a guy, if he gets his hands on you, again, it's very similar to, like, Sean Hickey. If he gets his hands on you, he can control you a bit and, you know, hold you, basically. Uh, but if he doesn't get his hands on you, it's game over, I mean, you know, type situation. So uh, he's he's interesting. Haven't got a chance to see Tunzel this year, at least. Um, I'm probably going, yeah, I'm going to the future. And there's, and there's tons of tackles I haven't seen yet. But um, there's those guys. Interior-wise, the only guy that I've really been excited about is Pat Elfline. 
and I kind of compared him to Richie Incognito. I know people are going to be like, what? Richie Incognito? Incognito is a good player. Incognito is a good, good player. I mean, you know, yeah. he, I mean, he might, he might be somewhat of a creep. <laughs> he has he has a heart he has the heart of a pirate. Um he was born three hundred <laughs> years too late, but yes. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, but he he doesn't have the off the field stuff obviously. As Elfline, according to most reports, is a choir war. But right. not a pirate. It's very rich and incognito esque. He's a six foot three, uh kind of coke machine with legs, uh type of guard that gives really good effort, shows really good power, can get out in space, and plays with not as berserker rage as Lyocons, but plays with that same sort of uh, mentality. Uh, but I like, yeah, I like him. Uh, I still want to see how he tests. He's a six foot three guard, too. So, I mean, there's some leverage issues there. And some of it showed up in the game. But it only happened, like, two times where he had Taller offensive, taller defensive lineman that um, gave him some uh, um, gave him some issues where he 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 wasn't getting like blown back, but he was just kind of like, oh, 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 I gotta adjust this guy basically uh, is what he had to do. But there was that, and the other guy's Josh Garnett, who I'm a big fan of as well, has really good footwork, works really well, not. I think as a Stanford offensive lineman, he's still going to have the same sort of issues in terms of, like, I don't think he's really going to test um, spectacularly. He's not going to run very fast. Uh, he's not going to be – he'd probably be more explosive than fast. But I think in terms of how he works with his footwork inside, I think there's a chance there. He might disappoint me when testing comes around, but at the same time, I really like – um, what he does, uh, he's powerful, can anchor, similar sort of style to like Gabe Jackson in many ways um, in terms of uh, his power, his anchor, and that sort of stuff. Um, so, but he's just he's just not a guy that I'd want pulling and trying to pick up uh, a really athletic linebacker at the next level. That's not his jam. So, um, he's just not that type of guy. But, uh, yeah. But in terms of interior offensive line, that's, that's really uh, – I don't know. That's really the only guys that really kind of stuck out to me so far. Okay. Got it. Well, obviously, everyone knows about my band crush on Tony Connor. I won't bore you with it any further. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I could feel that same way about Sue Cravens, but let him be a strong safety. Uh, he actually looked good when they had him in coverage today. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that doesn't surprise me when I own it. <laughs> uh, he, he, well, he was a safety. He, <laughs> he is a safety. They're just not playing him at safety. But I'm not going <laughs> to allow that to ruin my night. Um, maybe, yeah, that's why, maybe that's why Stafford just hung 41 on him. <laughs> They're playing safeties at linebackers. Maybe that's like a great idea. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're getting forty-one hundred on a bag. You know, that's what you do. Just straight off, just straight off, that Northwestern shut down. Yeah. 
Right, but in college football, Steve, you take your strong safety, turn them into linebackers. That's what everybody does. It's all the rage. <laughs> like Kasim Green, remember Kasim Green? Remember that guy? Did yeah, that? I do. Uh, Jack Thompson, kind of. Was that. it? Was it? Was it Witherspoon a safety originally? Yeah, Tom Witherspoon. Witherspoon. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, heck, Jamie Collins was a safety. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Crazy as it sounds. He was enormous, explosive safety. Oh, my God. Oof. His high school tape <laughs> looks wrong. It's like, what? How is this possible? Oh, my God. Oh. He put this one hit on a kid on a um a pitch play, like a uh, like one of those uh, power sweep kind of deal, and he arrived just as the guy was receiving the pitch, and he essentially imploded him. Probably killed he, him. I'm surprised he's he he still alive. <laughs> he created negative space, like uh, the guy was sucked into an alternate universe. It was amazing. And I thought to myself, this is when Jamie Collins was like a sophomore. I was getting into it with no, oh, this guy's going to be amazing. Oh, boy. And they kind of, you know, moved him around and messed around with him at Southern Miss, but they managed not to ruin him. <laughs> so he still got to be. I don't know. Bill Belichick uh, knows that he looked at the testing numbers and he's like, this is by Delius Thomas. But Delius Thomas without all the stuff. Yes, without all the, the stuff. But, yeah, I was oh, such a fan of his at Southern Miss. But, yeah, the um, – so, yeah, I like I said, I'm going to bore you with, with – uh, my 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 man crush regarding regarding him. Uh, some other guys I will mention uh, that I enjoy, I'm impressed by, a fan of uh, whatever term you want to use. You know, like I said, you know, slightly less serious man crushes, whatever how you want to phrase it. Uh, there were some guys that you know definitely showed me some things in the last couple of weeks, and you know, like this early in. Conference play has just begun, and you know a few of these guys are going to turn out to be mirages or fool's gold or whatever. But some of these guys, I, I think, are the real, real deal. Now, I'll start with a couple of guys, uh, including some, some, you know, some smaller school guys at Youngstown State. They have a kid named Derek Rivers, who is a junior. And high motor kid, good technician, plays his heart out. Loved watching him. Uh, everyone knows about Javon Hargrove. He's sort of like the designated small school guy that people know about. And he is good, obviously. He's really good. But there's a couple of guys who I think are deserve to be sort of mentioned in the same uh, breath, or however you want to put it. Like I said, Derek Rivers, amongst them, the kid from Youngstown. Uh, also, I mentioned Clayton Yule at Bucknell. I really liked him. Zach Dean at Murray State. I think Zach Dean is a an NFL-type guy. I think he's going to play at the next level. He's probably the most athletic or one of the most athletic of those small school um, defenders I've, I've scouted so far amongst, you know, front seven types. Uh, Gabe Sherrod at Delaware State is an interesting kid. 
for some reason, and I watched Delaware State last year, he, he, I don't know if I just caught him on a bad day or whatever. He made no impression on me last year. I went back and looked. It's like, that's a senior? Where the heck has he been? You know? So I, I went back and looked. Like, how did I not see this guy? I watched Delaware State every year. How did I not see him? Well, part of it is that he was a guy that was moved around. Um, he was a quarterback in high school. Um, when he came to Delaware State, he played tight end. Um, so it took him a while. That's, so I, it took him a while to finally end up being moved to tight end. He moved to tight end last year and, you know, started some, uh, was second on the team in tackles for loss, but just, you know, wasn't a dominant player. But this year, I'm looking at this kid, and he's a whole different cat. Um, I think he's, I guess, settled in to playing defensive end. But he looks like a player. So I'll be watching him. I think he has a chance. And like a lot of those, you know, guys who were tight ends and things like that, he still, you know, could afford to be more violent. And, you know, he doesn't have that mean-spiritedness or whatever that you sometimes look for, you know, from um, he's still kind of, like I said, plays like a tight end at times. But there's some, you know, there's some, some stuff there. You know, so he's one another one of the guys that I think has a has a chance, you know, to uh, you know, probably a guy that'll be at a camp as an undrafted free agent, but he might stick, you know, just based on what I've seen and I think three, four teams will get excited about maybe what he might be as a as a um, super outside linebacker. He's 240 something pounds, you know, he's somewhere in the in the 240s, and uh, you know, six three and change, good hips, longish arms, you know. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, so that's some of the smaller school guys I wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned. And then, you know, amongst the, you know, the FBS guys, the the big school guys, there's certainly a couple of guys I think are worth mentioning. And uh, I think that uh, I gave some love, a little bit of love, to that secondary at, uh, at Louisville. I, I really did like, I mean, Louisville has some guys in their secondary. <laughs> that's one of the better young secondaries, and that's a young secondary, but they're players. I don't think a single one of them is draft eligible, or maybe one of them is, but I think most of them are like sophomores and redshirt freshmen. But nonetheless, I think those are, there's some guys that are going to play on Sunday in that secondary. Um, so, yeah, the... Uh, some of the guys, at least, that I uh, want to make sure I mentioned. And, and since the safety and, and position like that falling above such sort of hard times, I want to make sure that I, I mentioned this is this is not a bad group of safeties. Uh, I feel pretty good about some of them. And then the next year's class is even better. Uh, but uh, Carl Joseph, obviously, is a guy that I, you know, um, have enjoyed watching. I think that he's got a chance to be something, do something, whatever term you want to use uh, at, the, at the next level. 
uh, Taekwon Lane corner at um, Marshall has sort of they have a good uh, tandem, um, but uh, Lang has stepped in. He's playing C.J. Rob, uh, yeah, C.J. Roberts. I think it was the guy they had last year got drafted. He's taken over that position and he stepped right in there. Um, obviously, we talked about Tony Connor, uh, Trey Elston, and you know, once again, at Ole Miss is is a dude who's going to play at the next level. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, um, here we go. There's a kid at uh, Saturday State who intrigued me. And, you know, I, I, I've only seen one game this year, so I need to see more. But he played some last year, and it looks like he's, grown up a bit or whatever, you know, what you expect, you know, sophomore to, to junior year, you'd expect to see that, uh, that chain. Uh, DeMonte Casey, he's a um, guy that was productive last year. You know, he looks like, like I said, as good as he was last year, he's taking a, a big step up this year. I think he's a late draftable, in my mind, a late draftable type corner. Obviously, you know, testing will be important for a guy like him, but he's made a really good impression on me. You know, I, I like what I saw last year, and I like even better what I'm seeing this year. You know, so that's the guy that I, I will continue to monitor as the, the year goes on. Uh, and then, let's see, maybe one other guy. Oh, I know one other uh, 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 DB I want to mention. Uh, in the UConn game, and UConn's done a pretty good job of, of producing uh, defensive backfield talent recently. Did either of you guys check out Andrew Adams at UConn yet? Jim or uh, or Steve, either of you guys? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, he wears number 22. Uh, he's worth checking out. Uh, hey, UConn? UConn, yes. Oh. Andrew, Andrew Adams. UConn. Worth checking out. If you haven't, uh, you know, gotten to it yet, I would put him on your list, I guess. <laughs> well, I'd put it. Add him to your to your list of guys. Um, pretty instinctive. Good athlete. Uh, fair amount of length. He's on the senior bowl watch list, and uh, I think with good reason. I think the arrival of Bob Diaco has helped him as well. You know, I, I think that he's a guy that also sort of uh, benefited from being around Byron Jones and so many guys they've had there in the past. You know, so that's a guy that, uh, like I said, I'll be interested in seeing his development, you know, throughout the rest of this year. So, yeah, he's, um, like I said, in a safety class that I think is, is a, you know, recovering safety class. Uh, he's a guy that's worth checking out. I'm trying to think of who to compare him to. Um, 
okay, speaking of this thing, there's a guy I had sort of a man crush on a couple of years ago named Matt Berry. Sort of similar. He can play either free or strong, good tackler, like I said, fairly instinctive, uh, decent closing speed. So that's a guy, like I said, I, I, I've liked. And uh, I'll continue to check him out and see, you know, see more of him as the year sort of uh, unfolds. Well, gentlemen, um, I will, unless there's something else you guys would like to make sure we cover before we close, I will, I will close. Uh, if there's anything else, uh, you tell people where they can find and follow your work. Um, I'll, I, I write a weekly column over at, at CBS for at, under the Fan Speak banner. Uh, it was on Ole Miss Alabama this week. I was feeling really good about my prediction up until uh, Alabama kicked the most beautiful onside kick I've ever seen in my life and <laughs> executed it. And uh, other than that, you can catch me at S. Morton 101368. Got it. Same question for you, Mr. Coburn. Tell people where they find and follow your work. Uh, yeah, you can find my work at allprofootballsource.com. Uh, just follow me on Twitter, capital J, I will end one. And the last thing I could say, uh, just the last couple guys, is uh, Dale Pearson at Iowa State. I would guess you guys do. Mm-hmm. Check out and uh, you guys already know about Jordan Jenkins, so that's not like you know whatever about that. But uh, yeah, so you can find my work out for Football Source, and uh, I'll be continuing doing what I'm doing. And that's about it. Perfect. Well, gentlemen, always it's always an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. Um, also, Isaiah, nice having your contributions as well. We will do this again. In one week. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.